Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Bodie, this is your fucking wake up call, man. I am a P O D cast. Yeah, no, that's great. That's the best line of the movie, right? It's great delivery. It's a great delivery. Yeah. Uh, I love that movie. I love that line. I love that movie. I love that movie. The, this movie that we're talking about today. Yes. On what podcast? Blank Check with Griffin and David. Hi, I'm Griffin. Great job. David Sims. I'm David Sims. Griffin Newman. Yes. Uh, th- this is a podcast about filmographies, directors yes. who have had massive success early on in their career and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever wild passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear. Sometimes they bounce, baby. And this is kind of the movie that that starts, the, the checkbook is sort of issued with some contingencies after this. Yeah. No, you know? no, 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 no. Because after this is her blank check. This is her. Agreed. This is yes. her blank check. Yes. Uh, her whatever. What, what, this is her loan approval. Sure. Right? You know, what, what do you call the, the movie right. that gets you the blank check? Right. What do you need to do to get a checkbook? To open a checking account? Right. This is her two forms of ID. Right. <laughs> your guarantor. Yeah. This movie is her guarantor. This is yes. like your rich parent coming that's, with you yes, to the That's bank. the word. This is her guarantor. This is her Thank guarantor. Thank you for talking on mic before you. we introduce you as Thank I prefer. You. Always. Yes. Um. So this is a main series about the films of Catherine Bigelow. It is called Pod 19, The Widowcaster. Uh, that's right. And today we're talking about what what is sort of, I mean, weirdly, she's got two defining she's films of her career. She's got two consensus favorites, I right. guess. Right. And this is the first. Right. Right? Yeah. Two movies that if you point a gun at someone and say, what are your favorite Bigelow movies? They, you know, like... Family feud style. These would probably be top two. Right. And they're arguably I mean, like Hurt Locker being yes. the other one. They're arguably like two major phases of her career. Mm-hmm. And and this represents one. The second represents the other. Yeah, I would say there's the sexy boys phase, and then there's the sort of like gritty realism, like topical. Docudrama yeah, yeah, phase. Right. And then I'm I'm curious to see I whether I feel like we might be on the verge of a third phase. I would love her to go back to sexy boys, honestly. Me too. Yeah, that would be uh, just fine. Th- this is one of the sexiest boy movies ever made. Yep. It is called Point Break. Yep. And boy, everything about this movie is sexy. And Steeped in the female gaze. It, yes. It is. But it, even it just truly like, is. I want to fuck the waves in this movie. That's also true. You know, like yep. everything is so I well shot. I want to fuck shot. the meatball sandwiches in this movie. It's a very <laughs> like weirdly sexual romantic movie in every sense. Because I do, I look at the sandwiches and I'm like, that's a good Fucking looking sandwich. I want to fuck Swayze's hair in this movie. Swayze's hair is unbelievable. He grew that shit. That's him. Uh, So the movie we're talking about today, of course, is K-19 The Widowmaker. (laughs) Uh, Point Break. The film Mm -hmm. we're talking about today is Point Break. And I'm very excited for our guest we have today who has already spoken because she knows her shit. That's how I like it. She knows her shit. She's a longtime blankie. Big supporter of the show. And uh, she's a performer. And a writer. Gal about town. Gal about town. TV producer. All kinds of shit. All sorts of stuff. Friend of mine, Lux Alptron. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here. This is one of my top five movies. I said to to David and Ben, this is like your Toy Story 2. Yes. Like this mm. is the movie that you know backwards well, and forwards, have analyzed every single element of, could probably watch the most, have maybe watched the most. I love it so much. I feel like years ago when we were still a Star Wars podcast and we were kind of like, what's this podcast going to be? Mm-hmm. You pitched us on a Point Break episode. I probably yes. did. Yes. That's what I remember. Yeah. Because yeah. I love it. I 
And it's finally come to Pat. Is all, yeah. You know, like, yeah. And yeah. it's yeah. My, my dreams are coming true and it's all downhill from here. But, uh, sure. but it is one of those movies that For you all like enjoy. Because I know I have some distinction between like, these are my favorite movies and these are what I think are the best movies ever made. And there's some overlap in my top 10 list. But, like, this is a cross-section movie for you where it's, like, you probably enjoy watching this as much as any movie ever made, but you're also, like, fascinated by the semiotics of this movie and yes. everything. Yeah. Yes. No, I took my, like, pages and pages of notes. But, no, I mean, it's interesting because, like, I think it's a great movie. There are also mm-hmm. things that are ridiculous and stupid about it. Yeah. But it's, like, if I make a list of, like, the top five movies that are, like, not necessarily greatest movies ever made, but, like, movies that, like, I love it is definitely on there. And like movies where I'm like, these are maybe little outliers, but like I'm deeply emotional about them. Point break. But it also is like one of those movies where everything that's stupid about it is baked into the cake. Like it's yes. necessary for the things yes, that are like statically wonderful about it to work. Well, yeah, like I was watching it this time and I was like, everything that she plants gets paid off. Mm-hmm. Like there's just like so much shit where you're like, oh, that's a throwaway detail. No, it's not. And there's also this weird thing where, like, I feel like largely because of this movie, Catherine Bigelow's reputation for a long time was, like, someone like a Walter Hill or something, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's, like, they've had some hits, they've had some flops, a certain, like, section of, like, the film literati go, like, there's a really strong technical filmmaker there, but they work so much in genre, and so much of it's kind of, like, ostensibly corny that, like, a certain pretentious film snob won't take them seriously. Yeah. And it isn't until like a decade or so later that people go like, no, that's a real deal filmmaker and we didn't give him credit at the time. And I feel like that reevaluation was happening right around the time that Hurt Locker came out. Yeah. Like she had this amazing timing where everyone was like, oh, we didn't really appreciate her when she was getting big studio budgets, did we? And then she made like a quote unquote serious adult movie without those like genre trappings. Well, yeah. but this movie when it came out did not get great reviews. Exactly. Like, that's okay. That's what reviews. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah like totally. people were yes. like, oh, it's like dumb fun. Like right. I feel like yeah. it's one of those movies that critics didn't want to admit they respected because no, it's ostensibly so, stupid. Well, but it's not. And, yeah. And also the critical community in 1991 is maybe a little less, right, like interested in trash masterpieces. Right. But that's or like whatever. something like The Warriors or whatever, where when it yeah. comes sure. out, everyone's just sort of like, okay, I see what All you're right, doing. All right. You like Walter like, Hill. We get it. I just yeah. feel he's an interesting kind of like. Sure counterpoint you know but he never had his hurt locker but it's also i think it's like really well done but it's also really easy to miss how Mm -hmm. well done it is because like there are the ridiculous elements but like i mean it's basically a movie about like tim tebow becomes a cop and then learns to surf but it is like yes it is such a tight fucking screenplay it is so good w W peter eiliff what else has he fucking done he wrote patriot games after this he wrote like a bunch of other specs and sort of you know he not not a what you would think of as a great uh, screenwriter but he's like a hollywood guy but this was his breakout script let me i'll I'll call up his credit she perhaps plus this substantially if he hasn't made another film that's this yeah yeah I mean, look, if you read this on the page, you wouldn't think, like, that's a great movie, right? No, but while I was watching it, I was like, this is so fucking well-structured. I mean, it's a well-structured movie, and it has a handful of, like, Hall of Fame lines. But, you know, I'm just saying, like, the script itself is not certainly enough to— Let's see, he— yeah, he makes he writes Patriot Games after this. He writes Varsity Blues. Okay. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Then he writes Under Suspicion with Morgan Freeman and Gene Hackman. It's like a shitty crime movie. Oh. Uh, then, oh boy, that's kind of it. 
You know, yeah, that's that's sort of the end of him. He's still around, I guess. But uh, this feels like one of those things where, like, she got the script that might have been overwritten at first, and was like, "We can cut a lot of this out." And like, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the, the dialogue oh, sure. is yeah. really good. There are all these iconic lines, but there are also a lot of scenes that, like, there's the dialogue sequences. is really good, but it's also really bad. I, right. No, it is a very yeah. fine line. Right. Like, I mean, the dialogue delivered wrong would be a torturous. There's sure. some camp. To it. Yes. High, high, yes. But high amount of There are also these like sequences of the movie that feel like Battleship Potemkin, where it's just like these like very raw visceral images and it's only playing out on faces and like blaring yeah. music, oh, you know? I mean, yes. There are like four moments like that that are just like transcendent. Yeah. There's also, an, I think, an attention to stunts like that's very uh, careful and brilliant. Right. And, like, yeah. Playing out on back of heads yes. in the case of many of the surfing scenes. Right, right. or uh, very far away. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, you tried fucking surfing. No, Keanu'd never surfed in his life. Yeah. yeah. Swayze had like, like a couple times. But Swayze liked to skydive. Yeah. So he did that shit. And you can, I mean, you can tell, like, they had to stop him at a certain Swayze point. Swayze's yeah. face in the yes. skydiving, whereas Keanu, it's like far away or really, right. really close. Yeah. I mean, Keanu did some of it. Like, he did the jump, uh-huh. uh, which really? is, I feel like, the crucial stunt, sure. which is so fucking good. Yeah. I think that's like yeah. a top 10 stunt of all time is him jumping out of the plane. I agree. Uh, the copter, whatever well, we'll it is. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Swayze, he, he loved it so much, I think they had to stop him. Like, <laughs> there, there was some sort of like, intervention from his producers or managers who are like, you're going to hurt yourself. Now, have either of you folks seen the remake? No, no. You, you like it. I don't. <laughs> well, you said the cinematography was good and I got mad at you for like two weeks about it. It is. It's very true. Yeah, well, it I don't It just feels like if you were like, Hey, that person who cut off your sister's face and started wearing it, have you gotten coffee with them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, Point Break, the sequel, I mean the remake. <laughs> yes. Edgar Ramirez is the Swayze, right? Correct. Who... You tell me who plays Reeves. Luke Bracey. I know that answer. Who the fuck is Luke Bracey? Are you ready for this? No, I'm not ready. I'll never be ready. He played Cobra Commander in G.I. Joe 2 Retaliation. He replaced Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay, once Cobra Commander is fully under the mask and you don't see his face and I Uh. think they dubbed over the voice. He was the (laughs) physical performer for Cobra Commander. Right. And then he got to replace Keanu Reeves. That was his next movie. That's not okay. I think he did a Nicholas Sparks film too. He's like fine. He's like a, a plank of wood. But apparently uh, he was in Hacksaw Ridge, but all of the sort of background soldiers in that he's one kind one of them together. He's an Australian me. dude. He's a handsome Australian dude. Sure. He's like he's like a fourth, you know, Hemsworth. Uh it's like a seventh Hemsworth. Sure. <laughs> uh, um, he was in the best of me. That's the that's Sparks the you're right. talking uh. about. I think he was young Marsden in that. Right. Right. And a big thing that happened was that was supposed to be Paul Walker and Paul Walker died, but they'd already cast Bracey to play young Paul Walker. Uh, and yeah. they're vaguely he looks similar. more like Paul Walker. Looks than nothing he looks like, like Marsden. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway. Um, um, but but no, but the interesting counterpoint is that the the point the point break remake was directed by a cinematographer. Sure. So it's right. just it a fucking right. if you cut it down to 45 minutes of IMAX stunt photography, it'd be the best movie ever made. Well, the way it, the, no, because the shit in it is unbelievable. I'm sure it looks yeah. good. You mean it would be a very good looking movie. It'd be an incredible like piece of film sure. to have. Be right? nice art film of waves. We right. all know Surfing. what the real point break remake is. Fast and the Furious. Yes, it came yeah. out in 2001. Right. It's right. called The Fast and the Furious. Right. It's basically a carbon copy of this movie, now, and it's I, great. I just want to set up those two pillars as counterpoints that I might reference again as we go through this movie because the, the things this movie gets right, and we know I love the Fast and Furious franchise, but like uh, I probably I hadn't seen this movie maybe since I was like 14 on cable. 
Oh, sure. Okay. And I've rewatched the original Fast and Furious too many times since then. Yeah, yeah. And so I had forgotten how much beat per beat it really follows the original yeah, Fast, Fast and, and Furious. Yeah, Fast and Furious just rips this off. Wholesale. Yes. I mean, yeah. the f- structure of it. Not not obviously everything about it. But the- but, but even the basic character dynamics. I yeah, mean, it's and so like the fact similar. that there's a raid halfway through where Walker has to then be a cop again. Yeah. And, you know, like, you know, like yeah. a lot of the, the yeah. And then the ending, the same beats in the same order in the same timing. Yeah, except Vin Diesel's like doesn't die, but you know, but he lets him get away. He lets lets him him drive away. away. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Except in Point Break, when he lets him get away, you get it more because he's like, well, he's gonna die. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because like Swayze needs to suffer more than Diesel needs to suffer. Swayze's a little scarier in this movie than Diesel is, which is the thing I love about this movie. Right. Me too. But also, talk about a good decision. Could you imagine if they ended the original Fast and Furious with Vin Diesel driving off into the middle of a wave? Yeah. Or even like driving off a cliff or whatever. Right, Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, they could bring him back. They fucking bring everyone back in those movies. But that's a movie that apes all the major story beats of Point Break, but doesn't execute them with the same level of style and finesse because Rob Cohen is no Catherine Bigelow. And then Point Break, the remake, takes the exact same basic plot details and amps the stunts, and the stunt shit's great, and none of the character stuff works Doesn't whatsoever. Doesn't it have more than surfing, though? Do they do other extreme That's the sports? Thing. Okay, oh, right. But they also, they fuck up all the core elements of what makes the story interesting, mm. which is they don't want to make Edgar Ramirez scary. They want to make him redeemable. So, A, right. he's a Robin oh. Hood figure. Yeah. He steals money but gives it back no. to the people. Oh, no, no. So clever about that. Swayze is a Hollywood hero right now, right? This yes. is the last good movie he ever made, which is nuts. After like, an incredible run. After a, a sort of, like, brief but in- intense run Where of he stardom. he was directly tapped into the zeitgeist and everything yeah. he did somehow had And then after this, it's gone. Right. Never I, makes a hit movie again. Which is so weird. Which is weird because this is his best performance. And, uh... He's showing, a monster in it. Sorry, I'm showing on. my cards here, but I really liked him in Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. You know what? Julie I Newmar. take it back. And that was so actually like, a quasi hit. That was actually. I should, I, that's the one thing he makes that's credit a, credit a hit too. after this. Yes. And he yes. gets a Golden Globe nomination. Yeah, right. But after but that I mean, was him having to like, like do the like you me, never imagine Patrick Swayze doing this performance. Let me just do Swayze really fast, please. I have thoughts on I'm that. I'm begging okay. you. So his first, I feel like his first big hit is Red Dawn mm-hmm. in '84, but that's like you know he's he's a young guy. You then don't know in, if he's going to end up being anything, right? Then he's right. in North and South, which was this very big hit miniseries about okay. the Civil War that 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 launched him to fame. Mm-hmm. And then eighty, that's in '85, '86, and he's in Young Blood, which I've actually never seen. Me neither. Um, and then he's Dirty Dancing in '87, which right. I love. Was obsessed with as a child. And then Steel Dawn and Tiger Warsaw, whatever. But then '89 Roadhouse, '90 Ghost, '91 Point Break. Yeah. And then that, and then that's all. He's doing great. I mean, Dirty Dancing and Ghost are both movies that you would not think would be like basically the highest grosser of their year. And they right. end up being that. Right. And that's the other crazy thing about him is not not to be binary about it, but he had like two massive female-focused movies and two massive male-focused movies. Sure. right. And so he kind of set himself He's up. straddling every... In this like Channing right. Tatum way where it was like, you know, usually you kind of get one or the other or even if like, oh, you're a sex symbol, you're more of, like, a dude's dude action star or romantic lead, you know? So it's interesting that you bring up, like, a Channing Tatum comparison because I don't care about most celebrities, but when Patrick Swayze died, I was, like, gutted. It was uh-huh. very hard for me. Sad. He and died young, too. Yeah. Was, yeah. And it was very fast. And he was, was, by all accounts, like, one of the good ones. Like, all the yeah. stories were always, yeah, like, course. he was the nicest nice guy, guy in Hollywood. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, one of the things that I love about him is that he was, like, a very masculine guy who also aggressively embraced his femininity. And he was a dancer, and he was super into that. Absolutely. And, like, 
Like, and Chu Wang Fu, thanks for everything, Julian Umar. Right, exactly. I think he was like very comfortable with all that stuff. So when you say like, I mean, it was pitched as like, can you believe the Roadhouse dude is? I, th- I think even this? more just him doing a comedy, like an out now comedy like that, you know. And it's a different style of performance yeah. than he usually does. But that yeah. certainly has been an element of his career success up until that. I point. just yeah. want to give you after. There. Yeah. This movie. Sure. Yes. So, 92, he makes City of Joy with Roland Jaffe, which is like an Oscar play that's a huge yeah. bomb. Uh-huh. Just about like a white guy in like the Indian slums or something. It's fucking I feel terrible. like there's like a kid peeing on him in the trailer or something. Uh, that sounds plausible. <laughs> then he makes Fatherhood, which is some kind of like family comedy where he's like. The poster is him in a leather jacket with his family, but he's standing at like a yeah. usual, sus, you know, a lineup. Uh, okay. Then he makes uh, the un- unbelievable adventure adventures of Picos Bill in '95, which was retitled Tall Tale. Yes, a movie I saw in theaters opening. Weekend. It was a family movie. Right? I've never seen it. I was. Obs- he's not in it much, right? No, he's the lead. But I thought it was like that they're trying to find him or something. Like, isn't he? No, sort he's of- a big part of it. Okay. okay. I was weirdly obsessed with the Picos Bill lore when I was a child. I gotta say, I'm okay. not. I fucking loved Pecos Bill for Fair whatever enough. fucking reason. I don't even know who he That's is. That's a baby Nick Stahl. Right. That, that movie is like Monster Squad and Nick Stahl needs to unite the tall tales like the urban legend folk heroes. And it's John Henry, Pecos Bill, and Paul Bunyan. Uh-huh. And okay. Oliver Platt is Paul Bunyan. I forget who's sure. John Henry and he's Pecos uh, Roger Bill. Roger Aaron Brown is John Henry. Um, I think it's like William H. Macy's first movie too. It's got a weird cast to William it. William H. Macy An plays a railroad film. magnet. Yes. Um, but it's yeah, and it's Catherine a- O'Hara plays Calamity Jane. Yes. Uh, anyway, I just want to keep going. And then Tu Wong Fu is ninety five. That was a big flop. That movie sure. was a humongous flop. Yeah. Tu Wong Fu is ninety five. Three Wishes, which is like another family movie. He made all which these is the Martin family Short, movies. Mara no, Wilson that's movie? a simple wish. Right. What's Three Wishes? I don't know. Some piece okay. of shit movie he made. Then that's ninety five. He doesn't make a movie for three years. Jeez. Then he makes Black Dog in ninety eight, which okay. is like a shitty thriller. I've like, do- never heard of any of these. Did he do a Whoopi Goldberg comedy? Uh, that sounds right. But right, what I would it remember have been? him and Whoopi on a video box together. Are you talking about Ghost? Well, he was in Ghost. I know he was in Ghost, but I feel like I remember some. Maybe I just created uh, it in my mind. Ghost Two. I, yeah, they could have done a Ghost. I two. picture. I like imagine some like sure. video box I, where it's the two of them in front of a white I, background with their arms around each other. I think like you're it looks right. like a Sears I just don't know what portrait. it is. I don't know. And, now and, I can't I, and if I Google Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg, I'm just gonna get Ghost. Right. I'll, I'll I'll see if I can find that later. But then okay. it's just interesting to me. Like, yeah, I tell you a movie like Black Dog. He made Point Break. Like, why didn't he ever right. have a huge hit again? Like it, it's weird. Ten years later is Donnie Darko, which mm-hmm. is like when he's popping up oh. in a movie, and you're like, "Oh shit, Swayze!" When he essentially becomes like a Travolta career he's, revival. Yeah, we're like, "Oh yeah," so except like now. he's playing. He's good, but he's playing such a villainous character, right. and it's a small role. But he is good. And then like it kind of never goes anywhere. But right like, before we started recording, we were just talking about Channing Tatum and said like that guy needs a hit. And five years ago or four years ago, whatever it was, when he had his breakout summer, it felt like. This guy has cracked the code. He's a movie yeah. star, right? Like he had this year where he had like a couple action movies and a, a Nicholas Sparks film, or the Val wasn't technically. We, we Nicholas, talked about it, but like but yeah. you know, a weepy romance drama. He had Magic Mike. He had GI Joe. He had Twenty One Jump Street. It was like this guy established himself well with every possible audience in one summer, and he's just like set, yeah, because he was not embra- afraid to embrace his feminine side. And appealed directly to that audience and wasn't worried about alienating like the bros, you know, had something for everyone. Like Channing was something for everyone. And since then has done like a weird balance of work. I mean, he's trying, but Channing Tatum is not a movie star is my argument. Like, or certainly not the kind of guy who's going to open a movie for you. 
Right, but for like a pocket, I know, there, it but felt it's like he not was the happening. One short like White thing. House Down yeah. didn't happen. Logan Lucky didn't happen. These yeah. movies are not happening. Even Ma- Magic Mike XXL was a bomb. Man, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. quasi bomb. Now, yeah, what disappointment in relation to yeah. the first one? Right. So, uh, but Swayze should have kept going. Like yeah. it should have just been straight heat. Now, Keanu. <sighs> yeah. What? What? You got to get on the record. Keanu never been in an action movie. Right. Yeah. And was this his first one? This is his first action movie, and Catherine Bigelow insists on him. Yeah. Because I think they wanted Depp. They want. I think they wanted Johnny sense. Depp. That would make sense. Yeah, and yeah. she was like, "No, no, no." Keanu Reeves, and they were like the Bill and Ted guy who was in Parenthood. Yeah, like I'm, that's your guy. Those are my two references for him before prior to this movie. Those are his and, two yeah. big movies. I mean, right, he had made a lot of movies because he has like little roles right. in a lot of movies. But like, you know, Bill and Ted is eighty nine. Parenthood is eighty nine. Yeah, I love you to death is ninety. When is Bill and Ted's bogus journey? 91, same year as this, as is My Own Private Idaho. His two arguably yeah. best performances. Which is the what is He's in River's Edge? River's Edge is not, right. in 86. Okay. Mm. Uh, that's a good movie. Yeah. So that was like his, like, you know, uh, young angst drama. Then he does the two big, big comedies where he right. establishes a persona that everyone can easily mock. Right. Yeah, like, he's, but he's like the, huh, you right. know, right? Like, that's his thing. Right. And like, because we think of Keanu, obviously we think of that, but we also think of Point Break and yeah. Speed and The Matrix. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, he's the action guy. But this is the movie where Bigelow is like, I can see, like, this guy's perfect to play a quarterback, a former sure. quarterback. <laughs> right. Like, Keanu's not small, but he's not exactly. He's not broad, certainly. No, like, um, I mean, quarterbacks it, are supposed to be small. It's, it's brilliant casting that, like, saves the movie in a I lot of so. ways. Yes. But I also think Keanu's career is so fascinating because he's always had this pattern of like he has something that hits really big in the zeitgeist and then he makes a couple really big mistakes. Everyone counts him out. And, he's and like, then he comes it, back. I'm not doing it anymore. And then he, right, and then he right. finds the new thing. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. he's had more second chances. But every time it's like you earned this. Like, yeah. Right. You reminded everyone what you're capable of doing well. He's unkillable. Right, because yeah, I think don't ev- don't ever tell me Keanu's out again. Right, like that's forty seven Ronin. Everyone was like, that's hundred percent done, cooked over after forty seven Ronin, and you know, and let, let's remember, like it was really like Day of the Earth stood still too. Forty like that right, sort of yeah. like string of nothing for right. him. People were like, all right, I guess Keanu's he's just done. He's done. We're for not going to talk right. about it. And uh, yeah, man. But that, that happened between Speed and Matrix. You know, yeah. yep, for sure. Yeah, Matrix was definitely that like. He's back. It's a right. rebirth. That happened between Point Break and Speed, certainly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have a couple disastrous performances there, like Dracula, which I'd say like almost killed his career well, entirely. His 91 yeah. is great because he's in My Own Private Idaho, which he's so good in. But yeah, yeah then 92 is Dracula, which he's horrible in. No offense, Horrific. Keanu. I mean, yeah, I, we all love Keanu on this podcast. Movie. That's yeah. one of the worst performances in any uh-huh. major yeah. film from a real actor. 93 is Much Ado About Nothing, which he's fine in, I guess. Sure. He's, he's sort of. But Whatever. this is him punching a little outside little of his Buddha zone. Freaked. Right. Well, he's not but I think the other thing that's interesting is he always kind of like does these things that are sort of like taken seriously and then become a joke over time. Right. Where it's like, yeah, you, you know, like the Matrix, it was like really cool. And then after a few years, it's like, come on. Like, sure. That's like, that's a joke. And then now he's back in John Wick and like, that's right. really serious. And. Who knows what jokes we'll make about it? Yeah, yeah. John Wick, well, yeah, they might run John Wick into the ground, but yeah. John Wick Two's great. Yeah, John Wick Three's coming out in the summer. Did you see that? I saw that. They're putting they they're making a temple, which wow. I'm a little worried about because I feel like that's a perfect like January movie. But I'll but. say I saw like John Wick One opening day with an audience that was like snickering, but they were like, "Does this movie know what it's doing?" Like sure. that kind of like 
a really irritating, condescending kind of like laughter at a movie that's clearly heightened and knows, you yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. like Point Break. I mean, they're yeah. different types of movies, but movies that know what they're doing. I saw John Wick 2 opening day, and when John Wick first appeared on screen, the entire audience burst oh, into no. applause. He's a legend. That's but funny though, because I've never I saw seen it. that before. It was like Indiana Jones returning. He's the best. Wow. Yeah. Don't set him off. Don't set him off. <laughs> no, but I I saw that's funny because I saw John Wick with an audience that was clearly going in being like it was like half full and we were like, Yeah, what is uh, Keanu? I don't know, right. what is this? And by, they, the by thirty minutes in they were all in. Yeah. The bit where Michael Nykiss says Fuck. like, Oh, no, oh, he just says oh. Yes. Uh, where it's like uh, John Leguizamo's like he killed his you know he killed John Wick's dog and stole his car and he just goes oh and the audience just went ah like it was great that was one of the best theater experiences I've ever had um, can, can I offer my my key thesis on why Keanu's casting is perfect in this movie yes please because it's outlined by the couple of movies he did right after this he was really trying to push his persona Keanu, like, started out as a stage actor, right, sure. in Canada, and wanted to be seen as a serious actor, and then got this reputation for being this kind of, like, airhead, like... Yeah, pretty boy. Right, yeah. pretty boy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he really was like, I want to do serious parts. Let me do a Shakespeare. You know, let me be in Dracula. And he's too contemporary, right? He just yeah. doesn't yeah, right. fit into these zones at all. He can't do accents, so he just <laughs> always sounds like Keanu, and I think that really throws people off. And I think he has a very specific energy that you have to harness. Yeah, he's like yeah. Dane DeHaan. Right. He's a very contextual actor. I'm like, trying to get your goat there. Go on. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Dane DeHaan is very much like Keanu. Mm-hmm. I think the difference between Dane DeHaan and Keanu is that Valerian shows that Dane DeHaan can't do Keanu action movie. I disagree, but that's we'll get to we'll get to Valerian. But I think <laughs> Dane DeHaan is like has been There's similar where you just you have to find the right content. 100%. Yeah. I've exactly. seen Dane DeHaan be phenomenal in five movies and disastrous in five other movies. Sure. You know, and the ones where he's good, I don't think it's an accident. I just think it's like you need to know where to place him. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah cuz I love Keanu to death. He's bad in some movies. He's like, terrible in some he's movies. Misused. But also when Keanu's good, he's capable of doing things that no one else can do. He's got a very specific I screen agree. power and he's this incredibly physical actor. And it's not just like, you know, he's always, I think we've said this before about him, but when people go like, you do a lot of your own stunts, he always goes like, I don't do stunts. Stuntmen do stunts. Right, I do physical acting. Right, right. He's very into uh, uh, the, the role and the power of the stuntman. Right. Yes. Which is why the one movie he directed is like a martial arts movie. Yeah, man. Good movie. Um, but his whole thing is he's just really good at conveying a lot through body language and sort of the ramp up, the tension before the stunts start. Which is what makes an action star. Like how yeah. well you can like get the audience primed for what a stuntman is then going to do in the next shot on the back of your head. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but this movie is like right in that peak of him trying to be like, I want to be seen as a serious adult in movies and be taken more seriously. And that's totally what Johnny Utah is going through. Like Johnny Utah's this broken guy who's like Literally. blew off the rose, right? He, he should have gone pro. Sure. He didn't. He fucked up his knee. Right. You get the sense that he was like. He was all conference in Ohio State. Well, you know what this guy's life was. He was the cutest boy in high school. Sure. He was high school quarterback. Yeah, he yeah, probably he's... killed it. He was the rare jock that was actually nice to everybody. Right. Sure. He did. Well, so actually a question. Yeah. When he gives the speech to Tyler where he's like, I always did what my parents wanted me to do. Yada, yada, yada. And then they died. Obviously, they didn't die. But right. how much of that do you think is supposed to be real i think most of it yeah Yeah. he he was the golden boy yeah and then instead of his parents died he blew out his knees and he was like oh well what do i do with my life now right right 
But but I th- I think that is his psychological makeup, and I think he's had all this pressure his entire life and has been told that he's great and all of that, but really worked hard to achieve it, and then his life is totally derailed. The thing he thought, the path he was on, and it's almost like those guys who, like, rather than peak in high school and spend the rest of his life bemoaning what he could have been, yeah. he tries to find the thing he can do instead. Well, and I think he also tries to find a father figure. Yes, like, 100%. Sure, that's what Bodhi is, right? right? Right. Well, and potentially Angela. Like, I think somebody was asking me if I thought this movie was homoerotic, and I don't. I don't either. I, I think, think that's a mischaracterization. I think it's bromantic. Yeah. It's and not- I think it's... There's the one male, scene where they're gazing. wrestling around with each other on the on the sand, yeah. but yeah, no, it's not exactly. Well, it's uh, only homoerotic in like in that you like you're, you're already saying the female gaze. Like it yeah. is an erotic movie about it's men. an erotic movie about, yeah. and it is mostly obviously about men interacting with other men. I also think the distinction I would make is that I think it's a very intimate movie. Yes. Yeah. And I think in movies where men are intimate with each other, people go like, "Oh, it's homoerotic," because you're not used to seeing men having anything more than, like, a backpat, like, sure. good work out there, buddy, kind of, like, relationship. You but know? It's, it's really about, like, father-son relationships. Yes. But we don't understand intimate father-son relationships. Right, right. So it feels like, well, this is the way. Like, why are men acting like this? Do they want to fuck each other? You know? <laughs> right. I get what you guys are saying. There's I a just, lot of them looking at each their... other and being like, I like you, man, you know? Right, but there's also, I mean, the crucial moment here yeah. in this movie is that he jumps out of the plane to grab Bodhi. Sure. And yeah. then can't kill him. Right. But I, I think, uh, yes. And yeah. You know, well, there's a dynamic between the two of them. And it's a love story. It is, is a movie about two guys who love each other. Yes. Just yeah. not yeah. in a purely sexual sense. You but know, it's, it's also a, a very erotic movie. Right. right. I think. I think it's, do, I I think mean, it's an erotic film. Yeah. Yes. So I feel like it's this conflation, and you kind of touched on it, that yeah. A, we're not used to seeing men being objectified. Right. And B, we're not used to seeing men being intimate. Right. So that the that this movie does both, it's like, oh, well, it's gay. And it's like, no, it's a woman who's objectifying men. Right. And also unveiling their intimacy that is not sexual. Right. And I think with a male director, you either would have had that intimacy couched Mm-hmm. With some level of of like sure. you know arm's length humor or whatever, or they would push it even further and genuinely make it homoerotic. Like yeah. that would be the gag, you know, right. yeah, in a weird way. Um, I don't know, I don't know. I could see, but but I like your, I like what you guys are saying. I just don't think a movie has to be ridiculously homoerotic, like uh, Top Gun or whatever. I agree with that. To you know, sure. be, have a sort of uh, it's a romance. I think it, there is a romantic dynamic between right. Bodhi and Johnny because Bodhi is yes. seducing Johnny into a life. You right, know? But, but I like the father son angle. Yeah, too. I mean, the romance is not necessarily eroticism. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the distinction. Is like I think. Oh right. Top sure. Gun yeah, is yeah. sexual, and this is romantic. Yes. What Top Gun is about ego, right? right. And how man's ego is man's sex. Like right. that's what that movie is about. And right. how if it's you put them all together a yeah. in a little ring, like they're all just going to start bumping around. Right. And like like Top. I mean, Lori Petty. Ben, I want to bring you in now because I feel like you have some thoughts about Producer Lori ben? Petty. Yes. Ben Ducer. No, maybe Producer Ben. Hank girls in this movie. Poet laureate. The oh Haas? yeah. The peeper. Go on. Go Tie on. Tiebreaker? Yeah. Birthday Benny? Mm-hmm. Dirtbag Benny? Right. The fuck master? Yeah. The meat lover? The fart detective? Yes. Not Professor Crispin? No, don't call me that. Graduate to certain titles <laughs> of the course of different masters? Yep. Producer Ben Kenobi? Kylo Ben? Ben yeah. say it? Yeah. Say Benny thing? Yes. Ben Chamwan? Yep. Ailey Ben's with the dollar sign? That's true. Warhaz? Yeah. Producer Ben? <laughs> Wait, Producer Bane? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. 
Yeah, you didn't I, know that was Tank Girl? I didn't realize that was Tank Girl. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about Lori Petty for a second. Uh, I do too. She was like the 90s girl. For her to yeah. do, Early 90s girl. For yeah. her to do Point Break and then League of Their Own of their and back-to-back back years should have been like, she should have had a humongous career. But she's yeah. such a specific type. Right. She's a good actress, but, you know, she's her thing. She's got her thing. I like, also, she's, she's got a great sort of, uh, I don't know, attitude. Like, yeah, punk. Like. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I also don't think it's coincidental that her two big performances both came from female directors. Sure. Yeah. Because I, I think she's exactly the kind of actress that a male director wouldn't necessarily hire. I, three for, yeah. for three good movie. performances. What's yeah, the no, Tank, Tank Girl, which is also directed but, but by was, a woman. But was a big flop. Well, sure, That's the one qualification I'm making. Yeah. Yes, but those three movies were like her three big films. She's also in directors. Free Willy. Oh my God. Dun. Yeah, she's pretty good. Dun, 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 dun. Everyone's good in that, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like a poorly acted film. So I, I want to argue that I think that Laurie Petty's character is the moral center of this movie. Oh, yeah. 100%. Because, yeah. Because I think, I think so. Well, because. Go on. Sorry. I think there are reads that you could make of this movie, and I'm sure there are dudes who watch this movie and they're like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. I want to be like Bodhi. I want mm-hmm. this. Or like, sure. who idolize like a lot of the masculine qualities. But I think it's a movie. It's very nihilistic that is both celebrating and also condemning masculinity. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, Johnny Utah is not the hero of the movie. No. Johnny Utah is a dude who is searching for a father figure, can't find it in the police force, can't find it in this surfing cult leader. He consistently makes very poor decisions yeah. throughout this movie. Like, yeah. Yeah, kind but, of ends yes. at a standstill where he's like, well, I'm not going to like align not, with the cops. I'm not going to be a cop. Right? But I'm right. not going to, I'm going to let Bodhi kill himself. I'm not right. going to save him. But, like, the only person who, yeah, like, Lori Petty, Tyler, like, she is very upset about being lied to. And, like, she is into surfing, but she's not, you don't get any sense that she is even aware of the bank robbing. She just loves the purity of being in nature. And I think, I mean, it's telling to me that in the last scene, he's like, yeah, I still surf every day. Yes. Like, it's about surfing being this powerful thing that gets perverted by Bodhi. It does, right. And even though Bodhi doesn't— Bodhi knows it's getting perverted. He just won't admit it. Like even near the end of the movie, he's like, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, uh, what's what's uh, the fucking Lee Turgenson character called? Rosie. Uh, Rosie's right. a wild man. Like yeah. I didn't mean to, you know, like he's, he's still trying excuses. to like cover his ass right. about it's it. It's sort of like bad Buddhism too a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right. Because like, the fucked up Bodhi is based right. on Bodhisattva. 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 Right. <gasps> yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. Oh. Which is like a uh, term in Buddhism for someone who's like, Sort of on their way to being enlightened, like a right. Buddha, like Which, on, like, the, on the, on the sort of path, the, on the yes, path. Yes. Exactly. Ties in nicely to another Keanu performance as Siddhartha in Little, Little Buddha. Buddha. Yes, Little Buddha. not a bad performance in an, kind an of a okay bad movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, um, but I, but I think there's also something to there is uh, no attempt, and I think this is what's great about the casting of Lori Petty, who is like a very steely actress. With a very odd energy because she sounds like a rugrat. <laughs> you know? right, she's got a funny voice. Right. Yeah, she does. She sounds like Chucky Finster. Right. And she's very, she's very slight, yeah. but but she has this like anger to her. Yeah. That I think yeah, those got, three really good performances tapped into. And I think she's very high status in this movie. Yeah. Like she, she always the football game. Right. And she's the intellectual superior of everyone she's talking to in every scene. But oh yeah. I want to get back to what Lux was saying about. Uh, just for a second, because I do feel like, you know, this movie has one crucial action sequence in the middle, right? That yeah. is a mm-hmm. badass action sequence where tons of people get shot. There's a lawnmower, a naked girl beats the shit out of Johnny Utah. Yes. Like, but like, it is 
uh, a pointless expression of like police, you know, coolness. Because yes, sure. it just turns out it's like, now you fucking idiots. Like Sizemore was here the whole time you and it was just, we were, up. you just fucked it up and now we won't find out who's, you know, like, right. and it's like an awesome sequence, perfectly directed. That's so cool yeah. like to watch. And then at the end, it's like, well, that was completely worthless. Right, like, right. like what a waste of all our <laughs> yeah, masculine yeah. energy. And it's also interesting that that whole thing is literally set off by Keanu getting punched on a surfboard. Yes, yes, that's, that's right. Like, he gets punched on a surfboard, and then he's like, "This is this dude is bad." It's got to be these guys. Uh, and Anthony right. Kiedis, I mean, he's he's got a bad look in this movie. You know, he it yes. takes one look yeah. at Anthony Kiedis, and he's like, "This guy has to be LBJ or whatever." Right. I mean, he does have a bad. He should be arrested for that haircut. <laughs> oh, boy, that is an arrestable offense. The Keanu thing here is that like he is trying so hard to be a good cop, which uses the earnest energy he had in this time period of like really wanting to be a better actor or a more diverse actor or whatever it is. Um, And, and also the fact that he is, there's something so gentle about Keanu. Yeah. Like even when he's yelling, there's like the serenity to him, you know, which I think is what other people like when he's miscast reads as spaciness. Sure. Or a vacancy. You know, it's that yeah. he's very internalized. Yeah. He's very zen. He's very zen. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I just love that thing. And then, and then the other thing is he actually, like most undercover sting operation, we have to infiltrate this world movies. You're like, they would never buy this guy. They would suss him out as a cop immediately. But and Keanu, Keanu shows up, you get it, and you're right. like, of course he fits into yes. this. And the, the Gary yeah. Busey counterpoint is like, when Gary Busey's at the beach wearing the shirt with the yes. sunglasses, you're like, well, this is why he could never crack the case, because he looks like a fucking narc. He's yes. Gary Busey. Oh my like, God. even when he's like, Busey. I've stole my radio. It's like, Busey's so good in this. So good. The thing that I love about the Busey character is I think in a lesser movie, it would be like, not even just Busey was right all the time, but like Busey cracks the case and he's sure. just been like undersold. Right. And in this, it's like, no, he sucks. He sucks. He's like, he fucking blows the stake out because yes. of his breeding Marmaduke. And he's <laughs> <laughs> and he's fundamentally the wrong person for yeah. the case. Uh, do you know who plays the... the, the who plays yeah, in the remake? Who plays that? Ray Winstone. Yeah, I could see that. Is he good? Well, but he's just the problem is he's just too angry. Like he's doing surly Ray Winstone. Part of what's great in this is that like Gary Busey like thinks he's the fun cop. Like he thinks he's the star of his own movie. Yes. You know, he thinks this is his story. Right. Yes, I agree. Oh, there's one. Go, no, go ahead. No, I was just going back a little bit. Sorry, just to the stakeout scene because you mentioned the naked lady. And I think that both the naked lady and the lady in lingerie are. Like, I mean, was there a studio note that was like, kind of put some like naked women in here? I, I don't think so. I think Bigelow really? wants a naked really? woman to beat the shit out of Keanu Reeves. You don't think oh, so? That's she good, beats yeah. the shit out of him. He gets doesn't land a punch on her. She is naked. She knocks him to the ground. He gets back up. She knocks him down again. That's a good point. <laughs> there is no ambiguity to what happens to Johnny mirror. Utah in that scene. Because I just yeah. Seriously, I feel very strongly about this. I got distracted clearly. by the shower spying, but... And you do make a good point yeah. that there's like these women are taking him down. Yeah, Johnny Utah doesn't win a single fight in this movie. <laughs> He's really bad at fighting. He's bad <laughs> at it. He's yeah. good at shooting his gun in the in the into opening the montage yes. where he's and, and into the air. <laughs> yeah, but he fights uh, the surfer guys, and it's sort of you know the the uh, the sort of decoy surfer yeah. guys. Yeah, and at first it looks like he's the doing okay. Chili the red hot chili peppers, yeah. and then they beat the shit out of him. Yeah, in the stakeout, he fights a naked woman who kills. I mean, right. kicks his ass. Yeah. And then when he fights Bodhi, he never wins that either. Absolutely like he's not, not. Yeah. this is not a movie where like Johnny Utah 
has like got the skills to to solve all of this. Right. And he fucks up at the at the bank robbery. Yes. Oh that, yeah. He doesn't do he's no help. Right. People die. Yeah. Uh you know, he's he's just shitty. He's really shitty. Yeah. I, I love it though. Yeah. Oh yeah, great. no, no. That's that's it's good that he's shitty. Yeah. Because it's not like a Law and Order movie. It's like, no. oh yeah, cops are fucked up. Yeah. All these guys are assholes. He's also twenty five. <laughs> yeah, he's young, dumb, and full of cum. He's a blue yeah, face, right. especially. He takes the skin off chicken. He eats the yeah. donuts. Yeah, he eats the donut. Yeah. He takes the skin off the chicken, but he eats the donut. donut. He does eat the donut. John C. Re- I mean, John C. McGinley doesn't like that. That's right. a Scrubs dude, right? Yeah, yeah. that guy is so good at being just like a dick who's yeah, mad. like a pencil, like yeah. a living pencil with glasses. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just like. There's like a, I remember uh, seeing some interview with John C. McGinley where he said when he uh, got the script for Scrubs to audition, in parentheses, it said, imagine a John C. McGinley type. Sure, <laughs> yeah, right. And he right. was like, did they offer this to me? And it was like, no, it's just like an open audition. <laughs> and he had to go through like seven rounds of it. And he kept on oh, being like, amazing. can you, guys, you wrote He's, it? He should be, yeah. I mean, obviously he had Scrubs and I'm sure that set him for life. But and like, Delroy Lindo plays this part. In the remake, which like once again, Ray Winstone, Delroy Lindo, great actors, actors, but minus that like comedic edge. Yeah, you know, you're talking about two great performances, Busey and McGinley, that are you know people are going to think about when you're playing the role. So it's hard to really you know beat them, especially if you're in a shit movie. Sure, but but also yeah, a self serious movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the plot of this movie is that there are bank robbers, right? The ex presidents, yeah. Who just rob banks? So good. Who are good? Masks. Uh, the just masks are great. Unbelievable. And just like the spiel, like oh, just the scene where they're getting ready in the car, mm-hmm. like all the detail on that, just like shot of the abs, pulling on the gloves, so good. And the fact that they stay in character too. The yep. fact yes. that they each like so have they all their, have their like, impressions that they do, right? Except for Carter, he doesn't do much. But yeah. Good bit commitment. No, I agree. Yeah. It's a great bit. Carter, there is that scene where they cut to Carter when everyone else is like loading the money into the bag and he's just farming peanuts. He's planting peanuts <laughs> in the dirt outside the bank. Putting on a sweater. Yeah. <laughs> uh, giving a sermon. I just a Google report. Ben just Googled bank robberies 2017. Just giving you a Google report right now. That's a new segment on the How show. How many Reagan masks I tell you what Ben's involved. Googling. I yeah. just am interested to see if people are still robbing banks. Well, it does right. seem like a bad idea. Yeah, it seems bank. like yeah. it's really hard now. Yeah, because yeah. you go into a bank, you're like, nobody has any money. Like, right? right. Like, I mean, I guess they have their little, like, little cash registers, but it's not like, like these days you want to get money out. They, like, seems to, like, shoot out of a slot, like, from somewhere far away. Yes. Uh, yes, which is one of the things I liked a lot about Logan Lucky is, like, oh, this is a very smart place to rob. Yes, yeah, totally. Uh, as long as you can uh, right. uh, make a gummy bear bomb. Did you, you like Logan that Lucky? movie? I haven't seen Logan Lucky, I although it. thinking about the masks, I remember one of the one of my favorite bits in Baby Driver is when they're supposed to get the Mike Myers mask yes. and he shows up with Austin Powers mask. Yeah, that's a great bit in Baby Driver. That's my favorite gag. Uh, that's outrageous that that's your favorite gag. I'll never not the one that you predicted would for be not my favorite liking gag. the great gag in Baby Driver. Um, but but uh, th- there are two things like w- one watching this movie. I was like, why don't people use masks in films more? Mm. Yeah. Uh, and and so often I feel like when you have masked characters, people do the wrong thing, which is whether it's because they're directed that way or the actors have that instinct, mm-hmm. which is to over-physicalize everything to make up for the fact that your face is invisible. But this movie, the fact that he's just moving normally and he's stuck with this one static, like, grinning expression— is unbelievable. I think it takes a really good actor to pull off a mask. Like I agree with that. Like one yeah, of that's my, true. One it's of hard. my problems with Ant Man 
uh-huh. is that I don't think Paul Rudd is a good voice actor. So every time he's in the Ant-Man suit, it feels like a poorly voiced video game to me. I, Paul Rudd's also a really good face actor. Right. You're like, losing a lot if you cut like out his face. You lose yeah. his my, charm. My only yeah. counter to that is I agree with you on Ant-Man. I do think he's better at it in Civil War. Yeah. So maybe there's some sort of yeah. like progression that it he's might be learning. Or correct. maybe they just had to fucking rush Ant-Man, which is more my guess. Yeah. Like, sure. They had to do that yeah, shit fast. Go to voice actor school. Yeah, right. Come on, Red. Just see. Here's <laughs> a microphone. Here's a, We'll Skype you in. Just say your Ant-Man lines. Um, right. Um, but, but I also think like it's weird when you think about like, you know, both times that Fox has tried to do Fantastic Four, there was this like reticence to putting Doctor Doom in the full mask for yeah. too much of the movie. Right, right. Because they were like, well, but then you can't see the guy's face. And yeah. it's like. Which a- is just fine. Then fucking cast a nobody then. Because right. Because why like, are you yeah. casting a star you want to see? Like massive movie star Julian McMahon. Um, <laughs> Julian McMahon. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but I feel like a good actor with a well-designed mask would be the scariest fucking thing in the world because every time they cut to a close-up of Swayze in the Reagan mask grinning, it's, it's like terrifying. Well, that, that it's great really shot creepy. of his eyes right. when, unbelievable. Uh, you know, in the L.A. Basin scene. Yeah. Yes. No, I mean, he's got really expressive eyes, which great helps eyes. a yes. lot. And they, I think she also, she knows how to shoot it and he's a good enough actor to pull it off. Like yep. his whole spiel. And he's a very physical actor. He's able yeah. to convey a lot with his body, much like Keanu. And right. his voice. Yes. Uh, I also think the master stroke is cutting the slit in his mouth so that when he talks, the mouth moves a little. Right. It has yes. that weird yeah. Muppet jaw thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I hadn't even noticed that. But yeah, that is key. Because um, the other ones don't do that. He's the only one who has to talk extensively. Right. But he it yells. Helps. Everyone else is just, uh, they have right. their jobs. Also, I have a question about his gang. Uh-huh. Are they actual actors or are all they just stuntmen? Because I feel like you see some of them like in the skydiving. Like you see Two their of faces. them are surfers. James LeGros. James LeGros is a real actor. actor and right. he's great in yeah. this movie. The other two are just surfers she liked. Okay. And I had a cats. feeling that they were probably either surfers or just stuntmen because I was like, they don't actually act. Right. And right. I'm pretty sure you see them doing the physical things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they don't. They're just right. like the dudes who just hang out there. So, yeah, John Philbin and I think the other one's like Bo Jess Christopher. They're not actors. Okay. James LeGros is great in this movie. He really has the California surfer dude thing yeah. like on lock. I and think. They, Roach. The, and he's the one who, yeah, he's yeah. the one who dies on the plane, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. LeGros, the no, one. I like, he dies in, the, in midair. That's what oh, I right, like. Because right. right. he, he jumps out and then when he lands, you're like, that guy's dead. He's the dude uh, who has the knife to, um, to like that's Lee Turgenson. Right, Lee yeah. Turgenson. Oh, uh, is he, was he the brother on Weird Science, the TV show? Uh, great question. I, mean, I think of him Bill as, he's, he's from Oz. I mean, I feel like that's his biggest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a Beecher in Oz. But let's see. Was he on well, Weird? While we're doing yes. that, I will say Ben nailed that. One other weird, uh, very very minor. The kid in the surfing shop when he goes mm-hmm. to buy a surfboard. I had to look up because I was like, I know that guy. I know that guy. He is one of the brothers from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Wow. We are we are plumbing the depths right now. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I love that movie. Sorry. That's no, another no, amazing no. 90s movie. I've never seen that movie. Oh. I always get Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and Serial Mom confused. Serial even Mom. though they're very different movies. Very different yeah. Series. I mean, yeah. one is by John Waters and the right. other is a by someone feminist who movie. Right. Is <laughs> the seminal feminist movie of the 90s. Lee Turgeson, uh, you also, I love how he's just looking at bank robbery uh, (laughs) reports right now. Lee Turgeson is also in Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2. He's the guy who's like, I love you, you know, and like he can't stop saying he wants to get him going. Vomiting in the back of the car (laughs) during Breaking Man's Rhapsody. Uh, But I mostly think of him as Beecher and Oz where he's like a terrifying neo-Nazi. But you see like the opening sequence of this movie, right? 
Like, this is only coming, she makes two movies in between The Loveless and this. Yeah. yeah. And Loveless is like a very academic semiotics experiment, right? Sure. And by this, she's fully figured out how to just like metastasize that into the body of a movie that is like just narratively exciting and enjoyable right. on a surface level as well. And the opening sequence is just like, I think cross-cutting between these like very serene, like romantic shots of Bodhi surfing mm-hmm. and Keanu in the rain Kicking shooting ass. at these targets. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is like these are these places of Zen for these two guys. Yeah. But sure. whereas like Bodhi is actually experiencing something transcendent. Keanu's just getting off on the fact that he's successful. He's good at it. Because yeah. at the end the guy up. gives him the big thumbs up and yeah. it's like, okay, he's still you know, he he didn't peak in high school. The quarterback found a new thing to be great at. You might say he's getting approval from a father figure. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So also, I just love that it begins and ends in the rain. Yes. All, all good uh, action movies have, are, are, are rain-like dependent. Yes. Um, rain cut with this movie was gonna be, yeah. This movie was going to be called Johnny Utah. <laughs> I'm glad wow. they didn't go yeah. with that. And then it was going to be called Riders on the Storm Ugh. after the oh, Doors song. Okay. And they decided that that was a bad idea because it's a Doors song and this movie has nothing to do with the Doors and so let's forget it. And so then they were like, what's a cool surfing term? They go uh-huh. through their cool, much like in Under Siege 2 Dark Territory where they're like, what's like a cool train term? And like <laughs> someone's like, there's a thing called Dark Territory and they were like, great, great. That's the title. They were like, they found this term Point Break. Yeah. And they were like, perfect. That sounds like the like a great action movie. Now, even though it's about like a specific like rock outcropping, you know. Cameron was executive producer on this. Yeah. Where was this, this- movie comes out? Well, actually, I don't want to spoil the box office game. Carry okay, on. Okay. Where was this within their relationship? I always forget what oh, period this of time. Is, well, I mean I mean this is, I mean Cameron's off making Terminator 2 when she's off making this. Okay. And Cameron's fallen in love with Linda Hamilton. So this is like the end. Okay. I mean, they divorce in 1991 when this movie comes out. Oh, sure. Yeah. But but I think, like, pointedly, she makes Blue Steel right before this. Sure. And Blue Steel is, like, a big flop. Uh, 89. Uh, yeah, sure. Yes. Right. And and this feels like Cameron going to Fox and being like, I'm telling you she's fucking capable of doing this. Yeah. And her leaving it all on the dance floor because, like, she's got to have a hit, you know? Right, but this uh, yeah. feels like a movie where she's like full force, like, I'm going to fucking make this thing work. Yes. I sure. want audiences to love this movie. But this movie was not a huge hit. It was a no. decent yeah. hit. It was a solid, yeah. like, it was a double or And then it right. just sort of quickly, I think, Grew became, and grew and grew. Right. Yeah. right. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, I mean, she marries uh, Cameron in 89. Okay. When Blue Steel's coming out. And sure. she divorces mm-hmm. him in 91. So it was a... Yeah. It was not a long relationship. And right. they both made like their biggest movies to date during it. So I don't yeah. know how much time they were spending together. Sure. Because uh, if you think about it, like they're married from 89 to 91, they're probably both shooting in 90. Like, right. I don't know. Like, right. And the Gail Ann Heard marriage doesn't end that long before that, right? You know, James Cameron's love life is... Uh, it's weird. Yeah. I mean, because yeah, it's like Sharon Williams, 78 to 84. Gail Ann Heard, 85 to 89. Like we're talking about marriages here. He Bigelow, eight, Bigelow, 89 to 91. <laughs> Now Linda Hamilton is ninety seven and ninety nine, but they were like, together. They were together. Yeah. Their yeah. Kids they were together were for years, they got and then they right. get married and divorce almost immediately. Right. Like the marriage is the end of the relationship. Right. And then Susie Amos two thousand. So it's like there's. It's always like they always abut each other. But there was like. But like, then after Susie Amos, that's it. Like she's yeah. the one who's like go diving. I don't. Right. You know, it's fine. You know, we'll uh, surf into the middle of the wave. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> David Lynch is a guy who has one of those weird ones too. Where like I think he was with his. Uh, script supervisor 
Well, he's he, his, he, his, his he had the wife partner. who he made um uh like eraser head with, right? Mary Fisk, is that right? Right. Uh, you but know, didn't the, she? Right. There, he had a twenty year relationship where they were never married. and They had a child. And then they finally got married and got divorced within like nine months for irreconcilable differences. <laughs> Where it just feels like sometimes um, if couples yeah. wait that long to get married, getting oh, married. You're talking, you're, you're talking about Mary Sweeney. Yes. That's what I'm yeah. talking about. His, yes. his editor. His editor. There yeah. we go. Okay. Uh, who I believe, I think still works with it. Maybe I believe not. so. Yeah, no, yes, she But does. they were together yeah. for a very long time, had a child, didn't get married, got married. And, and then suddenly divorced. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, Let's get back to Bigelow. Yes, yes, like, yes, stop yes. talking about dudes fucking around. Sorry, oh, sorry. wait. So, so the thing that I was going to tell you, a bit of context uh-huh. oh, that was oh, left I, out. I, excuse me. I'm a connoisseur of context. Please serve it up. And yet. Um, no. So when I was prepping to be on this podcast, uh, I was at a dinner party with some of my artist friends who are both graduates of the Whitney Independent Study Program. And I was just talking about Point Break, blah, 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 Catherine Bigelow. And they're like, and, and I always have this question, which I had posed to you at one point, where um, when Catherine Bigelow won the Oscar, I remember somebody was like, is Catherine Bigelow an amazing female fake, uh, filmmaker or just a tough guy in drag? And just talking about like, oh, yeah, she's the first female director to win an Oscar, but all her movies are dude movies, which is a question for me because it's like, is she strategically doing that because she knows she'll get attention or is she drawn to this and just getting rewarded? So I'm just posing this question to my friends and they're like, well, did you know she is also a Whitney ISP graduate? And they're like, and she was there in like the eighties, I think, but the curriculum is the same. And they're like, and it's very Marxist, like already downtown New York, like, like my friend's final project for it. They, it was a performance art thing and they were like wearing a bikini and they were like the Whitney ISP being like bound and beaten by someone in a suit who was Mr. Whitney. So it was about the artist being tortured by capital, but also needing capital. So that's a Whitney ISP thing. Uh-huh. And then for Catherine Bigelow to come out of that, I was like, this is. So, so I, I have a theory that, that ties into all, all of, of this. this. <laughs> right. Which is, um. You know, The Loveless is very much a movie about masculinity. Sure. Yeah. Right? Near Dark is kind of like even handed on the gender spectrum, right? No, that's very, I think that's very much a movie about masculinity as well. It's a cowboy movie. Sure, but sort of from a female perspective, sure. even okay, character wise. Yeah, Do you know sure. what I'm saying? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, and then Blue Steel is like, I'm going to make a female action movie. Like she mm. clearly had this interest in action filmmaking. And tried to make Jamie Lee Curtis an action star, which seems like it should have worked. Yeah, why? Why didn't that? Work? Right, and then it's a big flop. She, yeah, I, she's always been a weird box office draw, Jamie Lee Curtis. Like she endures, yeah. but right. there's only certain kinds of movies that she's opened. If that makes sense, I don't know. Sure, she's a but, funny one. But I'm yeah. saying, in terms of her movie star persona, she feels like she should have worked as an yeah. action star, yeah, 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 yeah. right? She matches that kind of energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think if Blue Steel had been successful, she would have done female-led action movies for the rest of her career. I think that's what she would have done. Mm. And I think when that movie bombed, it was like one of those write-off things of like, well, there you go. Women can't direct successful movies. There you go. People don't want to see women in action films. Right. So I think Point Break was very deliberately a like reaction to like, fuck it. You want to, I can make a boy action movie. Yeah. You know? And oh. then I think the die was cast. I think right. she knew this was like her Hail Mary pass to get to still play at like a high level within the studio. And then when this worked, it was like, oh, she's good at deconstructing masculinity, which had always been an interest of hers. Right. And so, that becomes her thing because she doesn't— Stay in that lane. Right. You know? Yeah. 
But after this, she makes, well, Forgetting Strange Days, which right. is her fabulous masterpiece that we'll get to. You know, she did make the Boys in the Boat movie. Right. And then she made the Bomb Boys movie. Right. Uh, you know, hey, and then. Hey, you know what K-19 could have used more of? Meatball subs. <laughs> but it takes, Less nuclear subs. It takes until subs. after she wins an Oscar to make another female-driven movie. And even that, as we will talk about, she sort of stumbles into by accident. Like, that right. movie wasn't intended as one. Right. And then they, yeah. when Osama bin Laden got murked, they uh, decided to retool it right. around this female character. Yeah. But, the, but there is that ghettoization of, like, what it, what has existed for decades is, like, these are the types of movies that women can direct. Right. Like, the way the studios see it. And Catherine Bigelow, I think, always had ambitions beyond those obvious genres, which, like, most women, unfortunately, only get hired to make romantic comedies. And it's usually because they wrote them. Right. You know, they're able to, like, attach themselves after selling the script. And I, I think she just didn't want to be stuck with, like, well, what do I do? I do a Kathleen Turner action movie next, right. you know? When the first one didn't work, I think that sort of, like, set her path as, like, a reactionary kind of, like, I need to survive within this system. Yeah, which I— I mean, again, like, as someone who thinks a lot about women writers and women behind the scenes, it's, like, it's always this question of, like, well, do we want more women writers and directors because that gets us more women on screen? Or do we want it because we just want women to work? And I want both. Yeah. So she's, like, an interesting thing to me where it's, like, yeah, she's a woman, like, getting paid, making movies, winning awards, and she's always telling men's stories. But I think she does it in a... In a twisted way. Yeah, she definitely twists twisted. it. Uh, but but there's also, I think, this thing that's like, it reminds me of the uh, the Paul Verhoeven's like blockbuster movies yeah. where it's like he's able to comment on American culture better than any American because he's one step removed from it. Right. And he knows how to play into it and make it like function on that proper level. But there's just a little bit of objectivity that like um, it adds this whole different air to it. Right. And she is able to sort of make this commentary on like why masculinity is terrible. Sure. Sure. But but also, right, uh, trying to like present different (laughs) types of men and different types of male relationships. Uh, Okay. So uh, basic thrust of the movie after this opening sequence, five hours in. (laughs) An hour in, we're just going to start the plot. All right. So (laughs) we've been doing, we've been doing a lot of deep thinking though. There's bank robbers. There's mm-hmm. Johnny Utah. Set in the stage he's, for people he's, to really get the plot. Yeah. Fresh out of uh, the academy. Mm-hmm. He's an Ohio State quarterback. Quantico. Fresh out of Quantico. He's uh, partnered up with uh, Angelo Pappas, played by Gary Busey. Going full Busey. And Pappas has this long-running case of bank robbers, the ex-presidents who they, 30 they're banks in and out in 90 years. minutes, like yeah. 27 banks in three 90 years. 90 seconds. 90 seconds, sorry. Yeah, uh, geez. Never they, go to the vault. They never go to the vault. No. They just rip the cash drawers and they leave. And the only thing they've, they like do is they moon the camera. Like, right. And, and be- leave sex wax behind. And, le- and because they the moon shoe. the camera and have yeah. a tan line, they leave sex wax behind. And then there's some sort of weird like uh, uh, clay or dirt it's or whatever. Like sand. Sand residue. Yeah. He's convinced they're surfers, which everyone mocks him for. They treat it like it's a it's a Bigfoot sighting, like your yeah. dumb fucking surfer yeah, theory. Yeah, right, 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 right. But Keanu takes to it, and Busey doesn't like Keanu. He doesn't like the cut of this guy's jib. He hates that he's being gifted the rookie kid as his partner, as he tells him while blindfolded right. at the pool. Uh, yes, which he's I getting love the short scene. <laughs> yeah. I love that scene because Keanu, I mean, Johnny's just like you know, like. Totally, he gets it. He he doesn't he he doesn't he has no chip on his shoulder about it. And also, he's a people pleaser. Like he's yeah. like, he's oh, a people- win this guy over That's eventually. Why I like it. He's like, 
But that falls he's into not the like eagerness. Papas, you're a right. genius. He's like surfers, cool. I'll right. be a surfer. You know, yeah. like fine. Just point me at it, baby. But that's why the Although eagerness of Keanu as an actor is so effective yeah. here. Yeah. Initially, he's kind of like fuck. Like, there's the scene where he's in the suit walking around with the surfboard, and he's like, "What am I gonna do? Just like, sure, be like sticking out on the beach?" And they're like, "No, you have to go fucking surf." Uh, yeah. So he he does need to be won over initially, and then when he's first surfing, he's like bad and not really yeah. into it. And yeah, kinda... yeah, right. He doesn't ever get great at it either, which I love. No. Lori like... Petty's the initial draw. It's just yeah. yeah. What what's my in with her? Yeah, you know. Um. So he pretty quickly gets mixed up with Bodie and his gang because Bodie recognizes him as a quarterback, oh. which is insane. There's also, no way he'd recognize What him. is a blue flame? Does anybody know? It's your idea. Well, doesn't that, it just means new, right? It, like, I oh, mean, really? Is it? Like, I don't know. They keep talking no about idea. like you're a blue flamer. Blue, blue flame, flame special. special. That's what they call him. I, I think it's it's just. But yeah, but Angelo says a blue flamer too. And like, no, yeah. Uh, blue yeah. flaming. Let me see. You know what's crazy about like how point for point Fast and Furious rips Point Break off. <laughs> Do they also refer to someone as a Blue Flame special? Uh, no, but the the meeting of Jordana Brewster and Paul Walker is the same where, like, she's behind the counter at the, like, oh. walk-up sandwich place who he's, like, trying to flirt with, and she's like, I'm just doing my job. Like, other than uh, the, the Bodie and the, what's her name, Tyler? Yeah. Being uh, ex-lovers. ex-lovers rather than brother and sister, the dynamic right. is exactly the same, and the introduction scene is exactly the same. Yeah, it is. You yeah. know what yeah. movie I feel like is spiritually connected to Point Break, if not plot connected, and also has Vin Diesel in it? Boiler Room. Uh, sure. Interesting. Yeah. I, and Boiler yeah. Room also one of my top five. Like, interesting. Love Boiler Room. My boy Vin's good in that. Yeah. That was the, my first Vin Diesel experience, so I never understood why nobody thought he could act. Yeah. Because he's so he good in that. Definitely could. I, I always just thought of it as Blue Flame being the first part of the flame. I don't know. I don't know why now I've never thought this okay. through. Google's at all. not. <laughs> no, Blue Google's just like that's the line from Point Break. And Weird. Like, yeah. Okay. Weird. So it's not like a surfing term. You're no, right, well, it would be a cop flame. term. Yeah, right. The cop calls him that. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, and And so I guess the first half of this two-hour movie, mm-hmm. pretty on the nugget two hours, and moves really fast, I mm-hmm. think, is he's like becoming friends with Bodhi and his crew, but he's definitely sure that these other surfers, including Anthony Kiedis, yeah. are the ex-presidents. Right. And they're he, very aggro. He doesn't even consider the fact that it could be Bodhi because he loves and Bodhi he, and his know, crew. Everyone watching right. the movie is like, it's Bodhi. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> But it's not uh, yeah. even that like Bodhi's hiding it so well. It's no. just that he's so in love with them that he's yeah. just like, I want to live this life. I'm not going to question this at all. Well, and I think he's conflating his love of surfing with his love of, I mean, Bodhi's basically a cult leader. Yes, and, and Bodhi represents what is appealing to him about surfing and that lifestyle. Yes. Uh, as Bodhi says later in the movie, it's not about the money. It's about us against the system, the system right. that kills the human spirit. We stand yeah. for something. Here to show those guys that are inching their way on the freeways and their metal coffins that the human spirit's still alive. And uh, David did that for memory. No, no, I totally read that off the. Uh, I just love metal <laughs> coffins. I yeah, just, it's, yeah. It's, it's, I, it's so fucking nineties. It's great. <laughs> but that's what's so great about the character too. Is he just like, and and Sweezy plays this so well. He's just this like gumbo of like like you said like vague Buddhist shit right. and kind of fuck the system shit like Gen X nonsense. He's got sexy blonde hair. But the level of rationalization that he just fundamentally continues until the very end believing yeah. that he's the hero even yes. when he's killed yeah. most of his friends in the process. And Busey and he's taken uh, uh, his, Lori Petty right, hostage. Right, his ex-girlfriend and, hostage at knife point like, and, and he's yeah. still like and look I'm making what? a statement. Right. Yeah. Not 
not to get political, mm-hmm. but I would argue that there is one of the things that frustrates me about our current political environment is that I think there are a lot of angry. You like the president, people. though, right? No, I'm not even talking about the president. Okay. Uh, angry adrenaline. But we do. Fueled- we do like Don, right? Oh, oh sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, there's a lot of angry adrenaline fueled young men on both sides mm-hmm. who I think just want to fuck shit up and are like, and here is my rationale. Like, I'm gonna punch Nazis because like this is the thing, or like. Yeah, I'm gonna sure. like a lot of, right, go yeah. fuck up these people because yada yada my whatever they all write. Bunch of Ricky in. T. Jokers running right, around. Right, Ricky T. Jokers. Yeah, and, right. But Ricky T. Joker knows that he's a nihilist, whereas <laughs> Bodhi doesn't. Is in and denial. Bodhi's like, no, no, I'm against the system. And really, he's just an adrenaline junkie right. who's doing all this shit. But he's like, no, no, no. But like, I'm doing it for a reason. Right. And he's a means to the to an end guy who doesn't actually have an end. Yeah. Insight. That's, that's what I like. About right. it. We, he yeah. never the only time he ever explains his philosophy is that monologue I just read. Yeah. And that is well after we know right. that he's, he's like fucked. a total fuck. Yeah. Right. And his plan, his <laughs> ultimate plan seems to be I'm going to get all this money. We're going to rip off all these banks and then I'm going to go to Australia and totally die in this insane storm. Yeah. So right. I can ride the biggest wave there ever is. He doesn't even no, ride the wave well. Shit. Well, probably because Bigelow's or whoever is like, well, how the fuck do we shoot? Like, look at right. this. This yeah, is insanity. Yeah. We can't put a person in this, right? Yeah. So they <laughs> oh, just like have this a, like very far away shot. Yeah. That's not a person? It might be, but like, I mean, they only get like, what, five seconds? You're of saying him. it's a dummy? <laughs> <laughs> they just threw a dummy on a surfboard. I would love to know how they shot that scene. It's a raggedy in Australia. They shot it in a, um, uh, it's like a car lot thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like Bodhi's plan. It makes no, no. sense. Never makes no. any in, sense. In Apart remake, from the fifty-year storm, he's sure. got to get to the fifty-year yeah. storm. In the remake, it's like a perfect storm, like CGI, like massive, oh, insane God. wave. Course, and, I guess that's not surprising. I right. mean, although I would argue that his original plan before he goes balls out does kind of make sense. Which is just, just rip off the banks, yeah. move around. Surf. That That's true. It's like a seasonal worker. It's just sure. work yeah. is illegal. Um, right. but He's like an athlete. He's so going to like, you know, leave it all. Here's my question. On the field. Like yeah. we, we've, we've covered a lot of the plot actually because, you yeah. know, in the middle of the movie there's the big raid and Sizemore's there. Early yeah. Sizemore who's later going to be in Strange Days and absolutely just eat the whole scenery. All he's going it. big in this but he's he really eats. good. Yeah. He's great. Because right. Sizemore, early, Sizemore when he's good. <sighs> yeah. But, but you need him because this that is a fulcrum point of the movie where it's just like all of this was for nothing. Yeah, fuck. You're just an idiot yeah. trying you to, know? you know, you're trying to solve a problem that like you don't even understand. Right. Yeah. You know, Keanu's just like, if I just get the guys, like, then yeah, that'll be great. Right. You know. Right. And go uh, back to surfing. He doesn't even know, right, that he's kind of being suckered in by Bodhi, like sort of subconsciously. Sure. And for th- the first half of the movie. Yeah. And there's a weird like and I think this gets to the self-awareness of the movie of what it's doing. There were a couple moments I noticed where a like a featured background person has a prominent reaction to what the movie stars in the movie are doing. Yeah. There's when like Busey and um uh Keanu are walking through the hallways of the police station yeah. with the surfboard for the first time. Oh, I love that And scene. there's a guy who walks past them and kind of bumps into them and like takes an extended look. Yeah. And they don't cut to a close-up. It's a two-shot. Right. You know, it's like a walk and talk, but he's just like, what the fuck are these yeah, guys doing? what is this doing? dumb adventure they're on? Right, right. Why and, aren't they solving actual, like dealing with fucking right. real shit right and now? And when he gets into the the hand-to-hand fight with like the lawnmower or whatever yeah. that piece of lawn equipment is. It's a lawnmower. It's yeah. a right. lawnmower. You keep on seeing the next door neighbor in the background who's like, what's this fucking action movie going on in my backyard? Right. I also love the lawnmower. 
that like yes. when it's introduced, you're just like, why the what the fuck is going on? And then it's like both the noise distortion so that he can't communicate, and then also the weapon that right. almost kills him. Which is like it's it's That's like so everything in this movie is like set up payoff. Yeah. You know, like like his knee is like Chekhov's gun, you know, but also just the fact that like if she introduces a visual element with a weird specificity that might just look like a Tony Scott level, like show yeah. all the details, insert so- shot, like a flourish. It's like, no, this is going to serve a function practically. Even the butt comes back. Even the butt comes <laughs> back. What happens after? Is the skydiving scene right after that? Like no, the sort of initiation or when, when does that come? That no, because the skydiving. Okay. Cause he what goes happens, surfing he goes again. Back, he, goes yeah, he goes surfing, surfing. again. And he gets moon. He sees the butt. He sees the hairy butt. Like, right, and he immediately Whoa. figures it out. Right. He's and like, wait, he, there's four of them. You know, and then he stakes them out. <laughs> yeah. He stakes them out and realizes when he's talking to Angela, he's like, I stuck them out. Sub. Uh, what? No, not, not that yet. Oh, not that yet. Okay. He, you don't see the stakeout. He follows them. Right. And then he's like, hey, Angelo, like, I realize that they are like mapping out this bank and they're right. going to hit right. this they're, bank they're, and they're then they're going to leave. Joint. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then. Then they do the botch stakeout, and the right. botch stakeout's got the chase scene where yes. a dog gets thrown oh, at him. Oh, God. The right. throwing the dog at him is so good. So good. Oh, and, my God. And then I that's love that. When, that's when... That's the firing the gun into yeah, the air. Yeah, and that's when Bodhi figures out that he's... And then it's like, then there's the plane scene, which is such a weird energy because we know that Bodhi knows who Johnny Utah is. And right. That, and... You know, you wonder if Bodie is testing whether Johnny, Johnny knows. knows that it's him, right? Because I'm like, like, why is Johnny going along with this? Johnny has to know that Bodie knows he's a cop, right? But I think I, I feel like Johnny is looking for a reason to excuse Bodie, like, yeah. he's hoping there's some explanation that somehow resolves the entire thing and absolves Bodie of guilt, like, he yeah. doesn't want to have to dump Bodie, or you know? he's like, Maybe if I convince my dad that I didn't see him right. cheating on my mom, right? Didn't happen that, like, he'll stop doing it, right? But it escalates, and so right. yeah, there's the whole jumping out of the plane scene. But I right. love it's like a powder keg attention because you're yeah. watching it the whole time, the right. scene's really fun. And if yeah. it was happening earlier in the movie, you'd just be like, This is a fun Whoa! bro out, like. Right. And instead, there's right, right, I, yeah, the the parachute and the thing. shit with the parachutes, yeah. which would have felt just like early goofing around, right. And instead, you're like, what's are they gonna try? And, gonna, yeah, them, like right. in a skydiving accident, right? But um, it, yeah, it's so much fun. I mean, the, the, God, I love. If we can just go back to the meatball subs for a second. Those sandwiches yeah. look so good. <laughs> Two. It made me Two. so hungry. If only yep. you had one to eat on Mike. That's true. Should have gotten a meatball sub. Um, <laughs> I I think. Bigelow is really good and not overusing close-ups. She makes mm-hmm. her, her close-ups really count for when she wants to sell something totally like on the, her face. Like the shot of his eyes right. in the mask, yeah. But otherwise, she does a lot of two shots and yeah. a lot of like medium shots where you get, she has a lot of really physical actors in this cast and you need to see what they're doing with their body, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because that's what I love about Busey's casting is he's got he's built like a linebacker. Yes. But he he's so he just seems kind of run down as a person. Right. Like, yeah. And it, it's sort of fun to watch him like shamble around. But the fact that you get to see like unbroken him sitting there unwrapping the sandwich, <laughs> yeah. taking some bites, that it's not just all on his face with the sandwich coming into out of frame, yeah. sure, you sure. know? Yeah. But that moment is so masterful when Johnny just like happy go lucky goes and orders the sandwiches and the lemonade and you see them pull up behind him. Like it's almost like a fucking Looney Tunes gag. Like it's almost like a Michigan <laughs> J Frog bit where it's like, oh, of course the second he turns around. Yeah. Of course the second Busey's eating the sandwich. Um, yeah. But then so right. But no. Right. 
uh, the skydiving scene right after that is when they go to the bank robbery. Yeah. Because it's like the skydive, they land. Bodhi's like, I have taken Tyler hostage. Yeah. And then and he's, you have to go. And then do he's this like, special agent Utah. Right. Mask off. Yeah. Yeah. Also, that, like, when they're leading up to the that bank robbery where Johnny's there was a line that I was hoping might be your line, although it's a Swayze line, which I would have just loved if you had said, all I'm asking for is 90 seconds of your podcast. I thought about that. that I really, really thought good. about that, uh, which is all I ask of our listeners. Um, <laughs> hey, early technology, the, when they show the video, I don't even know what that is. I have no idea what the fuck that is. I, like, I've, it's not a VHS. No. It, it must be some kind of earlier. Oh, yeah. Maybe I have no idea, but I loved it. It's There's great. a lot of old computers in this. Yeah, yeah. maybe 1991. Um, like the database where they look up Tyler. Oh, yep. I love yeah. it. So good. Um, yeah, where the database where it's like it first, the first page is her. Uh, arrest record and you're like yeah okay I buy that they and then he's like no what else they got in the second page he's like yeah mother and father died I'm like it wouldn't have that like this is an eight is a DOS database we don't just put in like oh you know some personal info you know some color Uh, the thing I love about this movie and I think it speaks to the screenplay uh, because this had to have inherently been part of the script is that a shittier movie I think would end with that foot chase Sure. And yeah. Johnny shooting in the air and letting Bodhi go. I guess so. Yeah. I think you would have had a little more meat before that, but that would have been the ending Evolve. is he's yeah. heartbroken by the guy he was so close to and he lets him get away rather than letting Bodhi become terrifying. Right. And that's the midpoint. Right. Like, I Basically. Remember, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because like the remake lets Bodhi stay noble the entire time. And you're like, fuck No, this. the minute Bodhi kept, uh, kidnaps Tyler, right. He's hard. Because like, yeah. yeah, bank robbery is a fairly victimless crime. Right. Like, you know, it's easy yeah. for people to root f- uh, for bank robbers, right? Sure. There's a zillion movies about bank robbers. Right. Often the bank robber is not. But and it usually, feels countercultural, which is Bodhi's yeah. whole philosophy. Right. But then right. usually, of course, in any bank robbery movie, shit goes bad. So right. here's my question. Yes. Uh-huh. In the bank robbery scene where he's got Johnny there unmasked to sort of implicate him, why does Bodhi uh, want to rip off the vault all of a sudden? Like, why does he make that decision? I think because he's an adrenaline. I mean, I think is, he's, he's self-destructive. He's just sort of losing it. He's like going full tilt, like, or yeah. whatever. And he's just kind of like, because there's no like, you know, there's no like obvious plot reason for it. Well, because he also, he says in the lead up, because they're all just like, we should fucking bail. This dude's an FBI agent. And then he gives a whole speech where he's like, I think that's when he gives the like, it was never about the money thing. And he's like, this is the ultimate thrill. Yeah. And I think that's when it's starting. He's becoming unhinged, clearly. But it's also pointing out, it's like, he wasn't robbing banks to surf because it was just a convenient thing. Sure. He He really gets off. It's the same with the skydiving, obviously. It's like chasing the dragon. Yeah. It's like trying to get that that better high. And I yeah. think that this is probably the last time they're going to rob a bank. Right. So he just wants to go all out and just like get the highest he can off of See, that. See, that's him up though. The additional layer that I would put onto it and I think it's I tied wasn't to this that. isn't me objecting by the way. I was yeah. Right. Just yeah, yeah, soliciting yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I I agree with everything you said. The other element I think that's at play is we're we talking about the fact that Bodhi has no real long-term plan other than this idea right. of like travel around the world, live off the land. But he's kind of one of those people who keeps on saying like, "Yeah, I'm just going to retire and move to the woods." And you're like, "You'll never fucking do it." Yeah. Say you'll do that, you'll never do it. Right. All Bodhi wants to do is just continue surfing with his bros and robbing banks, 
getting a reasonable amount of money yeah. where they can keep it safe, right? Right. But at this point, I think he knows, no matter what, as Ben said, this is probably his last bank robbery, yeah. right? He's yeah. got Johnny Utah here. Yep. So if he's going to make a life for himself, he needs to like go all in, get all the money because he's going to be running for the rest of his life. Yeah, and Johnny yep. even says no, that. that makes sense. That makes sense. Right. He's like, you've killed an FBI agent. Like people have figured out who you are. Right. They're gonna, when they get on the plane, he's like, oh, I love that line. He's like, there's this new thing called radar. Maybe you've heard of it. Great technology. <laughs> but it's like he needs to build a bigger parachute for himself yeah. now because this is like the end of the line. Yeah. But of course, that's and, when and he ends, loves the thrill. They spend too much time in the bank mm-hmm. and a hero cop decides he's going to you know, shoot at them. It all goes wrong. We don't do this often, but occasionally we'll play the game of like, which role would I play in this movie? You're the guy the who's like, don't do anything. 100%. Don't do anything. You're a fucking idiot. What are you, crazy? And he's the security yeah. guard. He's right. just like, come on, get the Dude, don't do anything. They're insured. Just let them take yeah, the yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. Who, Who cares? cares? Yeah. Uh, Hero Cop fucks everything up. So now they're in trouble. And one of them is dead. Two of them are dead. Do two uh, of them die at the scene? One of them's dead. One of them severely injured. And the cop I think, is right? dead. Yeah. No, two yeah. of them are dead. Because it's just, by the time they get on the plane, it's just Bodie and James LeGroix. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yes. Now, two of right. them die. I can't remember no, the no, exact No, no, but I think one of them sequence. dies with uh, Busey. Or does Busey issue James... Is that, that's how James LeGrow gets shot. Right. Yeah, because... Right, 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 yeah, right, right No, right, it's just right. one dies of the bank robbery, right? And then Bodie knocks out Johnny Utah yeah. at the scene, runs away. Yeah. And that's when... And then uh, Busey springs Johnny, you know. Right. And they go Keanu, to the plane, which, the airfield. And, yeah. then they, and that's where Busey dies, which is like, you know... Already, you know, Swayze's kidnapped Tyler. Now he's responsible for the death of a character. We like, right? Like, you know, th- right. this is a monstrous yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And I like how Bigelow's like doesn't just then flip and is like, yeah, well, Bodie's an asshole and he needs to die. She's still kind of with him, you know? She, yeah. Because he's been the same throughout, I think is what yeah. she's saying. Well, you know, someone asked you on Twitter. I know you were saying this is a nihilistic movie. Yeah. But someone asked you on Twitter, uh, David, mm. uh, after watching The Loveless. Going like, so is Bigelow a nihilist? And your response was, no, I think she's a realist, which is even more depressing. Right. And I think that's true. (laughs) Like, I think a lot of her movies are about, like, how people kind of are inherently drawn to doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Are sort of fundamentally fucked. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think that's, yeah, I think that's true. Obviously, this is not a realistic movie. At all. It's very high In terms of how the right things happen but sure. <laughs> I do think she's realistic about her character's motivations like yeah. you're saying and right. I think it's the true of like the Hurt Locker and, I think and it's true of a lot emotionally of honest and, yes. right and this last act of the movie is like Johnny Utah kind of being caught in like a psychologically abusive relationship with Bodie yeah li- literally right because he wants to keep on giving him another chance weirdly yeah. like he number one priority get Tyler's safety right, right? but number right. two is like he doesn't want to bring the hammer down on Bodie because he wants to believe this guy's better and in the process causes a lot more damage. Well, and I think it's, again, because he's confused the purity and joy of surfing sure. with Bodhi. And he's like, right. no, no, you taught me this. You must be. Right. You must be I the enlightened person. On a surface level, it looks like Bodhi is living the life that he wants to live, where it's just he's only doing things for himself. He doesn't yeah. need to prove things to people. He finds peace in the solitary personal activity. He's you into know? free love. Right, right. Um. Yeah, ma'am. Yeah, ma'am. But yeah, but then... Uh, the plane scene's great. Yeah. Where he goes like, I'm really cold. 
And Keanu's like, the blood is leaving your body. That's why you're cold. The, the skydiving photographer in this movie is fucking unbelievable. I don't know yeah. how she did that. I don't either. It's, an, it's insane. How the hell do you do that stuff? It's insane. I mean, I really, like I already said, but I really do think that shot of Keanu leaping out of the plane to grab him. How did he fall the fast? the best shot. Well, if you make your body a tube, okay. you can fall much faster, but you have no control over it. Right, because you know, I was like, it, that's... You, not totally you go like possible. this. No, 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 no. It is. That's that's how you go faster and slower. My my exact thought. There's no way they would fall for 90 seconds though. They'd be dead. Yes. I, I looked that up. Yeah. They'd be dead. It, right. It's it's like 30 seconds max. You're the falling. first skydiving sequence goes on for so long. Yeah. 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 Right. It doesn't work that way. But uh, and <laughs> right. also they wouldn't. It would be very hard for them to talk to each other. Obviously. For sure. Yeah. You know. Like, right. And you really and, have to basically just like go into someone's ear and yeah. be like. Bodie, you betrayed me! Right. You know, like, I mean, like, no, they like yeah. talk to each other. They hold hands. They break apart. They each listen to an episode of WTF. Yeah, they yeah, play yeah. Guess Who? Yep. Like yeah. they do a lot of stuff up who in here. Who are your skies? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but uh, well, and then they have like their second like parachute pole chicken. Right. I think it's that's so good. So right? good. Where Bodie is not like he's like you got to kill me or pull the shoot like and he explains it all but I don't right I which is yeah. it's set up so well by the first one where it's like the, the game of chicken is like A Keanu's half questioning whether or not they gave him a dummy pack but yeah. B also it's like he wants them to be a unit he wants them to be like operating in tandem yeah Um. but uh, two thoughts I had were one this movie is so uh, sexy just on, like, a filmmaking level and how, yes. like, I watch and all these things I've, like, always hated this movie sells me on where I'm like, fuck, I want to live in California. Right. <laughs> like, the way this film's California, when you see the sandwich, yeah. you're like, God, I want to eat that sandwich. I would never skydive in my entire no, life. Never. And when I watch the sequence, I'm like, fuck, I want to do that right now. I know. It, yeah. it is really cool because she's getting the shots of the land. Yeah. Which is like, it look, Earth looks like an alien planet from that high. And it's also, so cool. if it lasted that long, I would probably do it. It even I, makes no bleeding to death it. look cool. It makes it look that awesome. That is Skydiving's cool. cool. <laughs> yes. Have you done it, Ben? I've done it a couple of times. How is of it? course you have. It's amazing. <laughs> not surprised at you, um, you have to go tandem, so you have to go with somebody. Right. You're right. Not, they, like, yeah, you got someone on your back. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So they're taking care of all the like, pull right. and shoot, all that right. stuff. Right. 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 But there is nothing So you're like, just literally having the experience of falling slowly, right. majestically. With styles. Yeah. I remember the guy the second time around, because I had told him I had gone before, he's like, you like Spinning Man? While I'm hanging out of the plane, I'm like, uh, yeah, and he went for it, and it was. You mean so you're going like we like, like corkscrewing? We in were the like air. corkscrewing, oh. flying around. No, he thank then you. Finally leveled us out, but oh. like vertically, like like oh, almost doing like just, cartwheels, just yeah. spinning like very weird to around. think that's someone's job. Yeah, like every day he's like, "What am I going to do today? I'm going to jump out of a plane again." I'm a spinning guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that uh, no, were you going to say something? Oh, else just also yeah. falling through clouds is really. Uh, insane how do you, how does amazing. it feel uh well you can't Cloudy? i mean yeah <laughs> is it no. wet yeah that was my assumption it's kind of wet you're a wet guy it's kind of wet <laughs> it's like when it's like a little damp outside like post rain is that what yeah, it's, it's like foggy? Foggy? yeah yeah sort of yeah i mean um, it's like just falling through fog right. so. <laughs> sure pretty much uh yeah. the moment when keanu jumps out packless with the gun gun first God, yeah the, the thought i had to myself was well, this is why movies exist. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, I was I like, agree. this is why we go to the movies. And I think that's what Bigelow thinks, too. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. what she sees in this movie. And not yeah. just because it's a cool image, but the way the entire story is built up that image, the way the image is captured, you know, like everything about it is just like, this is what is capable, like with cinema. <laughs> this is what you can do in long form narrative storytelling on a big screen. Yep. Even if you're watching it on your fucking laptop like I did, it's just yep. like, oh, God. Such a pretty boy. He's a yeah. It's great. So yeah. there's this emotional confrontation in the sky. Yeah, this movie's about the sky. 
It's not Aloha, but it's about this. It guy. is about, and uh, uh, he does. He again doesn't kill Bodhi. You know, he's had two clean shots on him in this movie, and he, you know, he doesn't do it. Right, but Bodhi, Bodhi has kind of put him in an impossible situation. Yes, no, for sure, he needs to protect Tyler, or you know, so on. Right. Uh, and then Bodhi run, runs away. James LeGros does not make it. He dies midway through. Sure. He does pull a shoot, but then he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so Bodhi escapes with the money. And then we just cut to nine months later at the beach for the 50-year storm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, Johnny's found him there, knowing he wants to do it, I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. And he like he uh, snaps the handcuff to him. And right. Bodhi's just like, come on, man. I just want to fucking surf. Like, let me do this last thing. I just want to die. I'm not going to go anywhere. Like, cliffs on either side. Right. You know? And, I can't be in a cage, man. What am I going to do there? And so Johnny's like, okay. Yeah. And he goes and he fucking wastes himself out there. It's great. There's a good detail I love when they release Tyler that she runs to him and they embrace, but they don't kiss. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like she a- hates him, right? Yeah. Yes. Because she she's, feels betrayed by him when she finds out he's a. FBI agent sh- and like by you know she yells at him about lying about his yeah, he, manip- he manipulated her yeah. like hard, really hard, really hard. hard although doesn't I think it's that scene because there's the scene earlier where he like wants to tell her she's that he's a cop right and she thinks he's trying to say he loves her yeah and I think when she comes out of that I think they repeat that moment where yes. she's like basically about to say I love you right and he's like we can talk about it later sure. so I don't think she hates him well she definitely hates him in that moment earlier right but, absolutely but yes, maybe she's right but I think at that moment she's also just dealing with like the trauma of what she's just been through and it would be so easy to do the like fucking man of steel Jurassic world like we kiss while the world is burning around us but yeah. it's like in that moment you wouldn't like it doesn't matter whether you love the guy sure, or right. hate it's the guy not really a romantic she moment. runs him just because she's like i need to get away from that guy yeah, with the fucking she's knife through, like yeah. well, right. and she just like kind of collapses yeah. and i would argue that this is probably the first time she has realized how fucking evil bodhi is yes and so now it's like oh wait you were staking out bodhi you lied to me and that's sure fucked up, but... yeah she never right you're right yeah she has new perspective <laughs> on bodhi and she's always been giving johnny the like straight talk on bodhi where it's like bodhi's a like, kind of full of shit like you know yeah it, there is this thing where I think she's always high status like yeah. you know until intellectually at least obviously yeah. at some point she's low status physically <laughs> but but like intellectually she's always like I get this more than everyone else you boys are gonna do your fucking boy thing yeah like run around and point guns at each other and whatever yeah, sure. you know but I like I know what's driving all of this yeah you're all just like scared of your own mortality and yeah, yeah. this movie I think is like the uh, spoof cop action movie right like Hot yeah. Fuzz is spoofing this movie more than any other yes. movie yes right like down to like the gun in the air the throwing the badge right. away all that all this sort of semiotics Hot Fuzz another movie that I love I realized while watching this in Hot Fuzz the, uh, I think like it's in the final action scene when they're getting ready they say uh, Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll right which is what the ex-presidents say and I was like it's interesting that you have the cops mimicking the bad guys sure time to rock and roll yeah. I am not a crook <sighs> All right, so originally... it's a, I mean, five comedy points for that, because he is literally <laughs> stealing money. That's the joke. Yeah, five right, comedy right, right, points. Yeah, Posthumous comedy points, yes. Patrick Swayze. Yes. So some little, just some little um, trivia pieces. Mm. Ridley Scott was going to make this movie. That was the original wow, concept. that's no. weird. Uh, with thinking of Broderick, yeah. Matthew Broderick or Johnny Depp as Utah, Jeez. and Boo. Val Kilmer or Charlie Sheen as Bodie. Wait, Charlie, Charlie Sheen wouldn't have been old enough, I feel like. I don't know what to tell you. That's weird. He was yeah. hot shit. I mean, platoon. No, no. He... Um, 
But uh, then it just sort of, I guess, Scott passes on it or something. Yeah. It doesn't Thank come. God. It falls apart. And Cameron, who is an executive producer, recommends Catherine Bigelow, who had was just being finished, just wrapping up point at uh, Blue Steel. Okay. Mm. So I assume she gets, she nails this job down before Blue Steel even comes out. Okay. Because yeah. they're, they're pretty close together. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, so that happens. And then the movie comes out. And we should talk about that box office in game. the box office game okay right yes july 12th 1991 <sighs> okay middle of the summer this movie opens what number do you think this movie opens it's a wild weekend three wrong higher or lower lower five higher four <laughs> uh fourth four it opens fourth wow. Wow. eight million eight and a half million dollars okay and what does it end up at 43 so uh, which adjusted is at 91. Yeah. You know, it was it's like a solid decent, hit. Yeah, it's an R-rated action right. movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's then coming out in the height of summer. Huge home video cable TV movie that it, cements its legacy. For sure. Yeah. It right. is the number three surfing movie uh, behind and box office mojo. Number three surfing movie. The top two are. Very surprising to me. Uh, one of them is, is Surf's Up, the animated number film. Number one, the animated wow. film about surfing penguins. Okay, is the what? number two like strictly surfing movie or does it just contain like surfing stuff? Like would you say it's about the world of surfing? It is, but it's also about like personal healing and redemption. I think it's sort of like an inspirational true story movie. It's not Blue Crush. No, that is number four. Soul That's Surfer? a great movie, Soul Surfer. Weird. Who even remembers that movie? Uh, I do because that was one of two Anna Sophia uh, Helen Hunt surfing movies. Right, along with Chasing Mavericks? No, that's the Gerard Butler movie. Yes. Uh, uh, do you know that that Lori Petty directed a movie ten years ago, an autobiographical film? She has a crazy, crazy life story. I did not. Where she was uh, one of three children raised by a single mother who was a prostitute, and I did not she know. wrote and directed an autobiographical film about her childhood with Jennifer Lawrence, and one of her first movie roles playing the Lori Petty character. What's it called? And Anna, uh, not Anna Sophia Rob, Chloe Grace Moritz. The Poker House. Yes, yeah. and co-written by. David Allen Greer. What? How weird is that? <laughs> what a wild movie. I Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Selma Lawrence Brer, played player. Lori Petty Chloe in a Grace film. Moretz. I did not know about any of this. All of that's Apparently, David Allen Greer is one of her best friends, and she told David Allen Greer about her life story, yeah. and he was like, I want to write this with you. Does, Does he I write a lot of movies? Are, I don't think so. I don't think so. I know people who are friends with David Allen Greer, so it doesn't surprise me that he's Lori Petty's friend. I'm he like, seems oh. like a nice sure, guy. It just, it just like, yeah. I, I never knew him to write at all. He's I so good in the Carmichael yeah. show. He's, he's a really fucking good actor. He, he is. You know what he was great on? The Wiz Live. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. He yeah. fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. killed it on The Wiz he's Live. Amazing. He's amazing. Which I was good. underwhelmed by. Sure. Right. Oh. Yeah. It was fine. I liked it. I, I enjoyed um, it. I mean, it was all just like cool where it, we're finally going to have a musical that's not all white people. So that that sure. already just made me like, I also saw it under the perfect conditions. I saw it in a townhouse in Harlem yes. with all black people. So I just feel like, uh, I, I like my Wiz really sad. Uh, yeah. I think the Lumet's really a sad movie. I think some productions are yeah. sad and I I'm felt like Wiz Live was a little too glitzy. Oh yeah, bat box office. So okay. Point Break opens number four. Okay. Uh, number one is the movie that came out the week before that is still number one at the box office. It has grossed $90 million in two weeks. Makes $20 wow. million this weekend. What does it end up at? 1991. I know. Hmm? What does it end up at? It ends up at 204 domestic. It is one of the biggest hits in history. 
one of the biggest. It's also, the most expensive film ever made to that point in time. True Lies? No. 1991, my friend. Right, True okay. Lies is 94. Oh, Terminator 2? Terminator 2. Her husband's movie oh. came out a week before her movie. I have no idea why. They're totally, they're different studios. Wow. Because Point Break is a Fox movie. Terminator yeah. 2 is TriStar, I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, Terminator, Terminator 2 is rights issues or something right. bizarre. I think it was revenge. released by TriStar. Uh, yeah, well, she, yeah, that's true. She she kicked his ass in 09. <laughs> uh, but uh, so Terminator 2 is just, just I mean, is redefining yes. action yeah. movies up at the top of the list. Right. And redefining Break, success. Yeah. And yeah. Point Break, which is another like generational action movie, yeah. comes out the week that's after. That's crazy. That is insane. Uh, Wild. Wild. Wild shit. Wild. Number two at the box office is new this weekend and is a reissue of an animated classic. I have no idea how you're going to guess which wow, one it is. Uh, it opened to $10 million. Disney? This is back when Disney would reissue. Yeah. Little Mermaid? Nope. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. Because Little Mermaid comes out shortly Little before Mermaid's that. like two years old. Uh, right? Pinocchio? No. I have a little idea. later. Okay, yeah. I see. I, I think I might be able to pinpoint this because I would go to those re-releases. Is it The Jungle Book? No, I, which I went to. I remember that one. We, right. You're a little too young at this point, though. 91? I mean, you're, yeah. you're like a baby, right? I think this might have been my first movie I saw in a theater. You were two. Sure. I, that's why I think it might have been the first movie I saw. My parents were taking me to movies early on. I go okay. well, hit me with it. Okay, so it wasn't Pinocchio. It wasn't. John, I'm trying to to reverse engineer it because those they stopped doing the re-releases maybe when I was like five. But like, I definitely saw the first this movie. Three. First came out in 1961. So this is the 30 year anniversary. I of this feel movie. like I know what it is. It's but not I Sleeping Beauty, is it? No, this movie made 144 million dollars when you take all its re-releases into account. Huge hit. It's not 101 Dalmatians. Yes. That's oh, it. okay. So oh, one oh, I was wrong. Uh, bingo. No, it's uh, uh, Pongo. Pongo. Whatever. Fuck, fuck I fucked it up. Pongo I, and what's the other one? Perdita? 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 Pongo and Perdita? Yeah. Um, not my favorite Disney. No. But some kids love it because they love dogs. Yeah, I always like thought it was fine. I mean, I just love Cruella DeVille. Cruella freaked me the fuck out. I couldn't deal with her. Yeah. She really scared me at the end when her eyes go crazy. Didn't, mm. did not like that. I like the human couple. I think, I just like that they're kind of like yeah. a weird, like East Village, like songwriter, you know, kind of, yeah. Um, okay. Number three wow. at the box office is another generation defining movie of the early 90s. Also opening this weekend to $10 million. Uh, what do you call it? It's, I guess it, it's, it's, it, it's like a gritty crime drama, I guess. But it's like really a really, really, really crucial movie. To, in like, it, it's like a fucking bedrock movie for a whole like genre of 90s movies, I feel like. Interesting. When you say gritty crime. Is- and it's like an Oscar hit. Like this movie... Makes a lot of money. Gets nominated for some Oscars. Sons of the Lambs? No. That came out in January. Okay. When you say crime, is it more focused on the criminals or the law enforcement? Uh, I guess crime. It's about life on the street. It's hard Homicide. to- No, it's it's hard to talk about this movie Boys without totally hood? giving it away. Yes. Okay. Boys in the Hood. I was going to say, I love this movie. Uh, <laughs> but, it, you know, Boys in the Hood, uh, John Singleton, still yes. the youngest ever director, oh. I think. 26. He was 26 when he got nominated. I think he's even, might have even been younger. Oh, I think I he think was 24. Right. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I got freaked out when Johnny Utah said he was 25 in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. I mean, look. I'm turning all... 35 tomorrow, so. Oof. I'm turning 47. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was 24 years old. That's insane. The first uh, African-American and the youngest director ever nominated for Best uh, Director. Yeah, awesome. crazy, crazy, crazy. crazy. Um, I don't think he'll ever be beaten. You know, uh, Rosewood is kind of a blank check. You know, yeah. it was a more expensive yeah. movie. You know, he yeah. he definitely 
I mean, Rosewood wasn't like a huge budget movie, but still, like, sure. got a lot of money to make this very specific yeah. period movie. But also, when you're the youngest, no, guy I know, ever nominated for best director, I think scene. people yeah. thought he was going to be like a major American yeah. force. Yeah, um, so it's a major just, voice. It's and then just, just like just looking at this top five. Yeah. You got three movies that are really yeah. like. Huge early of 90s the era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like That's Very de- definitive early 90s. A, a lot of dyes are being stones. cast this weekend. Yeah. Number four is Point Break. Number five is, I think we talked about this one before. It's a comedy sequel. I can't remember which one. Another in, Stakeout? No. Look who's talking to? No, no. It's a comedy sequel. Uh, when when the did the first one come out? Was this question. like a rush sequel or was this a delayed sequel? It's a good question. It the first one came out in eighty eight. This one comes out in ninety one. The last one comes out in ninety four. There's three of them. There's three of them. Big broad. Oh comedies. oh 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 oh! It's the Naked Gun, Two and a Half, The Smell of Fear. Uh, best one. Um, maybe the highest grossing. Yeah, I'll yeah. say this. I had always argued that it was the best of the three. Yeah, I rewatched one and two recently, and one has moved up now on my list. One's mm. great. They do kind of blur together to me. Which Two's I think got we'll some discuss. great gags. One, one yeah. just something. Of, some yeah. of the other movies it's we've got uh, Robin great Hood, trilogy. Prince of Thieves, which is hanging out just a huge. In five weeks, it's made one hundred and nine. Yeah. That's, that's a massive. Yeah. That's hit. another butt movie. Yeah, a lot of butt in that oh, movie. Oh, that's true, but not his butt. Not his butt. Butt double. He did not yeah. want to get in the water. Uh, <laughs> a thing I love about Point Break is it clearly isn't a butt double because it's just kind of like a mediocre butt with a hairy ass. It's crack. true. It's not a great, not a great butt. It's not like a, a manicured butt. Um, very true. Uh, number seven is Regarding Henry, which we will, right. I'm sure, get really deep into later <laughs> when we do our Mike Nichols. I don't know. We talk uh, about it in K-19, though. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Uh, City Slickers. Oh. Big hit of that year. Is, yeah. you know, Generation Defining. Un- yeah. I remember when that was a thing. That was problem, a big thing. Problem Child 2. Oh, okay. oh. And a movie I'm sure Griffin loves a lot, uh, The Rocketeer at number 10. Uh, you know, I like that movie a lot. I don't love it. It's weird. I always feel like I should adore it. I kinda, I'm kind i with you. I like that movie, but it's never been a... I remember of, seeing it about? in the yeah. theater, but I, uh, I, it's, all I remember is that he was a Rocketeer. I don't remember any of the plot except that maybe there were Nazis. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. Yes. 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 There are Nazis in it. Uh, um, Timothy also, Dalton's really good. In yeah. yeah. Also, by the way, yes. I, I realized I should I tell you how I discovered Point Break. Oh, please, oh, please. do. Because, and then I'm going to um, turn the tables. I got surprised. But please tell us how you found um, Point Break. So, summer of 1996, I went to. I. Oh, so you didn't see it in theaters? I did not. I was okay. eight. Okay. Yeah. Or, we were, was in, I was too young. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Was, so summer of 1996. Um. Slight context for this. Is that uh, my parents lived in Israel. I have an Israeli uncle. Like, my family has ties to Israel. Summer 1996, my aunt and uncle and take me and my cousins to Israel for three weeks and dump us with my cousin's babysitter. So we're in just some, like, Israeli suburb for three weeks, kind of going to water parks, going to this, blah, blah, blah. I just am basically hanging out a lot. This is the perfect way to discover a movie. This is it's so true. I'm like in Israel with a babysitter. Going through their yeah. V I'm thirteen and right. going through their VHS collection and like I must have watched other movies. Uh, but Point Break was one of them. And yeah. I just remember like watching Point Break with Hebrew subtitles a bunch and being like, I love this movie. I really love this movie. I've talked about how there was like a a summer I spent with my family in the south of France where there was a video store that only had like four (laughs) movies with uh, English subtitles. And a lot of movies I watched for the first time uh, dubbed in French. Yeah, I think I mentioned that before in the podcast. But like 
uh, Wayne's World I saw in French five times before <laughs> I saw it in English, and I only was able to pick up on the visual gags. Oh, my God. Uh, and context clues to figure out what was yeah. going on, because I do not speak French. I also saw Jumanji in the Israeli theaters, and they do intermissions. In like for Jumanji, movies. yeah, that's that's giving Jumanji, Jumanji more pomp and circumstance. <laughs> they do it, for, Jumanji, like they just do it for all movies. Yeah. Apparently, they're just like, oh, it's too long to sit through. That that's a movie that looks because Jesus that Christ. Rough. I was reading an interview with uh, a Jake Heston who used to be a very good filmmaker. Uh, uh, yeah, what's the good one? Zero Effect. Zero Effect's pretty good. He directed most of Freaks and Geeks. Uh-huh. Yeah, he directed. He did a lot the of pilot and, and directed the majority but of the TV season. Directing is Orange County's totally solid. Solid. Yeah. Right. And then he just stops making good movies. Orange County is the one with Jack Black, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. I like that's, that movie. That's Some people like the right TV set. I've never seen it. It's okay. And he directed Walk Hard. Right. Walk, Walk Hard Rules. That's good. Uh, yeah. TV then sets he about did Judd Apatow. Bad Teacher, which is basically a terrible movie that's sort of watchable. Right. But and that felt like a sex rebound, tape. which is like, yeah, Nightmare. Oh, and then Jumanji looks tape. horrific. Um, I read some interview with him where he was talking about it and he was like, we know how important the original is so we want to be very reverential of the original. And I was like, we're canonizing Jumanji Jumanji's now? not good. No, it's like, <laughs> it's like a, a C plus, a B minus yeah, if you're generous. We all just saw it. Yeah, like, right. You know, I mean, yeah, that's it's fine. It was your mandatory Robin Williams film that yeah, summer. Right. Yeah, I saw it. J- Jumanji's best thing it has going for it was it was at that nexus of like, still having a lot of practical effects. Like, they're cool I, animatronics in Jumanji, but the yeah. movie, who fucking gives a shit? Well, and I, the trailer that I saw for the new one, I was just like, what the fuck yeah, is this looks movie? So <laughs> okay, David, can I turn the tables? Oh, uh, sure. For once, I want you to guess the box office. <laughs> okay. For the weekend of December 25th, 2015, Christmas weekend, because that is when Point Break 2015 Ooh. came out. It is one of one, two, three, four five new releases that weekend. It opens at number eight Ooh. with $9 million, ends up making $28 million, which usually at Christmas, even a shitty movie multiplies like five times its opening no, but weekend. It was, yeah, you got right. all the Jews it, it was, going. Yeah. Dead on arrival. That having been said, it made $100 million overseas. Boo. That was the big play there. Um, okay, so it's Christmas. 2015. So I'll tell you, the other movies that, that opened lower or around Point Break Hateful Eight is number 10 in limited release before. Uh, well, this is just when it's in the 70 yeah. millimeter, right? Uh, we saw it together. Uh, yes, we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2 is number 9. Yeah. Point Break is number 8. Yeah. Uh, Tell the Truth. Uh, Concussion is number 7. Tell the Truth. This uh, new movie is just like that movie. Okay. <laughs> uh, Big Short is number 6. It's first weekend going uh, wide. Number 5 is a movie. It's in its second week. It has been talked about a lot on this podcast. I've invoked it. Many times it is, uh, I, I'd say, a lesser entry from one of my, uh, I, I, to say favorite directors would be incorrect, but one of the directors I'm most fascinated by. It is uh, a sequel. Entry. He did not sequel. direct the two previous movies. He came on just for this one. I'm sorry. He did not direct the three previous movies. So it's the fourth entry. Director I'm fascinated by. In a series, by. a director. Oh, so it's, is it Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Chip? Correct. It's The Road Chip? <laughs> it's The Road Chip. All right, okay, good. Okay. Opens to 13. Okay. Oh. Opens to 13. Opens Why? to 13, ends up at 85. Uh, does 140 overseas. Okay, number four is uh, uh, a comedy uh, that made more money than everyone remembers. Comedy? Daddy's Home? Uh, 
That is number two. Oh, oh. okay. All right. Okay. Okay. That okay. is number two, opening right. with a robust $38 million. That was the movie. I mean, we can all guess number one in a second, but uh, right. that was the movie that people who couldn't see number one went to see instead. Right. So this this movie, the movie that's number four, it's in its second weekend of release. That was the big cornerstone of their advertising campaign, especially when like the stars are doing press and stuff. They kept on joking, like, go see this instead. If, if uh-huh. number one is sold out, it's a big, uh, much like Daddy's Home. Yeah. It is big two star. people two who have stars. already starred in a comedy together. It's a delayed follow-up film for a comedy duo that is, they're very well known for working together. They've only made two movies. You hate the first one. I hate the first one. Yes. You have said you think it's a contemptible movie. I think it's fine. I think it's a contemptible movie? Yes. You find the movie abhorrent. And I'm always surprised by how it's much you sisters hate it. Correct. with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. And you hate Baby Mama. I hate Baby Mama. I think uh, both of them are solid. Uh, I think both of them ha- have I, funny stuff in them. I liked, I, I liked Baby Mama, but I think what's really telling is my favorite part of Baby Mama was Romani Malko. He's so good now. He's really good. Yeah, like that's, he's good. If he's, I think about that movie, I just remember Romani Malko. How have we still not gotten Malko. Romani Malko fucking vehicles? Um, how have you not gotten him as I, a guest? I know. Yeah, I, I know. He's going to be a guest next week. <laughs> um, uh, number three movie. Because he got pigeonholed into black movies is is a lot of why. And but like, then even I, I don't know. I just I just don't understand why. He's so even, good. But even there, why he didn't become a leading man? Like That's why true. he didn't have his own screen gems? Like fucking romantic comedy. Yeah. Um. But num- uh, that was pretty good. Me guessing that right? Because talk good. about an anonymous movie. I mean, you Correct. gave me a lot of hints. Uh, people Wait, forget. So what's their second collaboration? It's sisters. It's this sisters. is the second. Okay, okay. Yeah. For some reason, oh, I, thought I thought they did a lot of other third. stuff together, uh, but this right, is right, the, yeah. only their second movie. Number three is a belly flop from a star and director team that had had two massive successes in a row. Belly flop, two massive successes in a row. <laughs> and this was sort of like the first time people were questioning the box office drawing power of someone who seemed to be a sure thing. And is this... Um, uh, is it opening this week? Like, is it a Christmas movie? Or? It's a Christmas movie. It was the third collaboration from the director and the star. The other two had been huge financial successes, huge Oscar successes, and oh. this one. Oh, is it Joy? It is Joy. Ah, ah. Yeah. yeah. Number two is Daddy's Home, and we all know what number one is. Star Wars. Episode Force one. Yeah. Phantom Menace. Episode one, The Force Awakens. Uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens, which makes $149 million in its second week. Oh, right. Now I remember, like, people were tweeting, like, Sisters is my Star Wars. And right. I was like, That was their big why? thing. Why? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's about sisters. <laughs> like, it's, it looks like garbage. Why? I think, I think the idea of sisters, well, I, you know, it was funny because it's a Paula Pell script, right? Have you, have either of you seen it? No. I haven't. It's like, pretty solid. Yeah, I will you, say this. I thought all I the advertising know. was terrible, yeah, but yeah. I saw you it out of obligation. You never trust the advertising on this it's, it's a pretty good, consistent joke movie, and I, the supporting cast is amazing. Yeah, I think I just, Paula Pell's a genius. Yeah. You know, or at least, you know, can, can be a genius. But, uh, and it was obvious they just wanted to make a Paula Pell script, right? Yeah. Sure. They've worked with her forever. Um, but, like, the whole idea of the movie to me just sort of seemed like they were like, you know how Tina Fey is usually the straight-laced one and Amy Poehler is the wilder one? What if we kind of reverse it? Like, yeah. Yes. Eh. Yes. I, just, I just think the movie works pretty well for what it is. Like, yeah. As a counterpoint, you look at like the original, not implying that the the more recent one is a remake, but the Belushi, Aykroyd, Neighbors, where they like do the flip to be like, well, what if Aykroyd's the crazy one? Right. And yeah. you're like, well, this right. isn't what I want. Yeah. Both Poehler and Fey do what they're asked to do in Sisters pretty well. Yeah. Um, do, can you guess what uh, Force Awakens had made by the end of its second weekend? 
So it's been out for So now you're saying right. It's ten days. Five hundred million dollars. Five hundred and forty. Yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. Because it made yeah. two hundred something opening weekend. Two hundred fifty. And then I assume it's just making like twenty a day yes. like yeah. or whatever. And then it makes one fifty a More, it made like week. forty a day. So Because it no, gained three hundred million. Last Jedi isn't gonna come close. And no. people might be like, uh oh, like is Star Wars in trouble or whatever? But like it's just just nothing's gonna be like that. Yeah. But also the exact same thing happened with the original trilogy. Like it was like the first one was huge, then uh Empire was a big dip. And then Return of the Jedi outgrossed Empire. Right, right. See, I thought you were talking about the I thought Phantom about Menace. it, and I thought it would be too confusing. <laughs> I thought about making that joke and, and calling it the sequel trilogy. But no, it, bits. It, no bits. No bits. No uh, bits. Lux, thank you so much for being on the thank show. Thank you for having me. Uh, Early, one of our earliest supporters. Yeah. Really? Yes. One remember, of the hardest die-in-the-wool blankies. Mm-hmm. I remember being on that road trip to Joe Gardens. We were going up to, to see Joe Garden in front of the show, Past and Future Gas. Yeah, yeah, and you were like, I have this idea for a podcast. I think we had just started it and I was trying to explain to you. I think yeah. we had maybe done two episodes and I was trying to explain to the two of you why doing a podcast. This is when we still thought we were going to do 100 episodes just on the Phantom right. Menace. Of course. And you were like, why would you do that? And I made the whole case for what we thought we were doing. And then you had me, you you talked me into downloading Star Wars Card Trader. I did. The dumbest app I have ever downloaded. I did. You know, I, I realized, like, <laughs> as an early adopter, some of those cards I have might actually be worth some money. But like, they're all already in the app. That's what I don't get. I know. Well, that was Joe Garden's big point was, like, if you go to see all cards, you can just see them on your phone. <laughs> you just have them already. But I just remember, was, like, four years ago, whenever it was when yeah. the app came out, our friend Caroline Anderson sold a card on yeah. eBay for $150. Are you fucking kidding me? Right, I remember you. that. I remember but that. But I just, like, it's like, you know, one of those movies where you realize the magic was inside you all the time. Yes, it was. The cards were inside us all the time. <laughs> they were coming from inside the phone. Uh, well... Thank you so much for being here. My yep. Thank you for supporting the show. Um, as always, please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Please do. Uh, thanks to Ange Fergudo for our uh, social media. Thanks to uh, Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds for our artwork. Yes. Which was very Point Break inspired, leaning really hard on the Point Break. Mostly Point Break. So this is this is the episode where you'll really appreciate the artwork. Right. Uh, Leigh Montgomery for our theme song. Uh, ben, Ben's throwing up the, uh, the, the devil horns. <laughs> He's hanging 10. Ben is hanging 10. He looks like he needs a nap. And, 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 as always, and as always, we never go to the vault. We never go to the vault. Don't go to the vault. Don't go to the vault.